We're curating an interconnected collection of craps and classics spanning the history of cinema. Each week's film is connected to the last by a single cast member, and so it continues forever, or until we can't be asked anymore. This week's film is... The World's End. How's it going, George? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you doing, Dan? I'm hot. Oh, mate, it is a sweltering <laughs> day, isn't it? Yeah, it's so hot. Hottest day of the year so far, and uh, we're in a stuffy studio. We are. But there's nowhere we'd rather be finishing off the weekend, recording a podcast, chatting about films. So it's, it's, it's the good. only thing to do, mate. Uh, being film lovers, we love being in a dark room, uh, <laughs> just staring at screens. So <laughs> there we are. What have you been uh, sitting staring at in, uh, in the dark room uh, this week, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so dodgy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, well, so um, since the football ended, um, I've had a lot more time on my hands so instead of watching football every night and sort of getting excited about that I've been able to get straight back into movies and I've been able to watch um, movie after movie so this week um, I ended up actually watching about nine films so what I thought nine is I, would, films. I know nine films that's more than one a day really since our last <laughs> podcast so I've really been smashing them this week because um, there's been so much for me to sort of catch up on so I watched a few films that I'd seen before. I watched a few films as well that I'd never seen. And so I'm going to read you the list of movies I watched. And I was going to talk about two of them for different reasons. So the films I've watched this week, I watched Disney Pixar's Luca. Um, I watched the original Candyman. I watched the Daniel Day-Lewis movie Phantom Fred. Uh, I watched a movie that you recommended uh, months ago, which is on Netflix, a horror movie, which is His House, which yep. is fantastic. Fa- yeah, great film. Just like you said. Um, I watched The Others. Uh, I watched the 1950s uh, classic Seven Samurai. Uh, I watched Saint Maud. I watched Antebellum, and I watched Space Jam. So a real, you know, big mix of movies there. Um, something for sort of everyone. So I had a great week watching lots of things. But the two I wanted to talk about were the last two. I want to talk about Antebellum and Space Jam. So I just wanted to ask you, Dan. Um, out of those movies, one of those movies surprised me. Uh, it was better than I thought. And one of the movies disappointed me. Um, you know, it was worse than I thought. So I just want you to guess which one, how, what order do you think it went round? I think you were pleasantly surprised by Space Jam and disappointed in Antebellum. You're absolutely spot on, mate. Spot on. So I'll start with Antebellum. Um, So this is um, a movie on Sky at the moment. Um, It's a horror film. And I watched a trailer for it a few weeks ago. And the trailer is really, really slick. It Mm. looks um, right up my street. It's a really good-looking film. And from the trailer, it looks incredibly exciting and, you know, really, really interesting. So it's from the producers of Get Out and Us. So, you know, they've got a a good track record with those sorts of movies. Um, Like those films... This has like a racial or a focus on race, you know. So the film starts back in sort of 1800s America. And um, we've got uh, some black slaves uh, in the cotton fields picking cotton. And you've got the Confederate soldiers like being completely evil and really, really nasty to, um, you know, these black slaves. That's the first half an hour of the film. We're seeing sort of how their lives panning out, and it's you know as horrible as you can imagine. And there's some really like disturbing scenes, like the tri- the, the way they get treated is, is horrible, quite hard to watch. And then about half an hour into the film, um, we jump forward in time, and then we get uh, we meet like a black family, and um, they're living in sort of the modern day, and um, they seem quite a well-to-do family. They've got a sort of a nice house and a nice life. And although their life is nowhere near as bad as, you know, the the black people of the 1800s, there's still like, um, you know, racism going on in and around their life in a more subtle way. And um, what I didn't like about this film is it was the film was setting its stall out uh, for the first part. And it took the film about an hour and 10 minutes to 
sort of set its stall out, set its, you know, set it where it's going to go. Now, the film's only an hour and 40. So I was watching the movie thinking, we're an hour and 10. Nothing's happened, really. Literally, we've just been introduced to, like, their lives. And, and so we basically only get about 30 or 40 minutes of... Um, things happening you know mm. and the story taking any sort of twists and turns and it does take some twists and turns but way 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 too late for me is it it's a horror a pure horror it's a yeah it's a horror film um it's i'll tell you what it is it's like an extended episode of black mirror okay. um now black mirror i absolutely love it's amazing and i know you love black mirror mm -hmm. too and i'm sure lots of our listeners do too um Black, the Black Mirror, is, they're, they're you know, an hour long usually, and they're usually a nice condensed um, story, you know, with, with a, you know a, a really, really good twist at the end. This reminds me of a Black Mirror episode that's been stretched to make a film. The fat hasn't been cut off it. Yeah, yeah. and um, like really, really flabby. And I, I think it would be hard to disagree with anyone else watching it. I think they would think the same thing, you know. It, it really does take a long time to get going. And like I said, by the time the film sort of gets into any sort of gear, um, you've only got about half an hour left. Mm. And so the end feels like really, really rushed. And by the end of it, you think, oh, not a lot happens. I don't want to talk too much about the, the second half of the film because um, it's one of those films, the less you know, the better. Mm. Um, I would say to people watch it because their opinion might be completely different to mine. They might love it, you know. They might see it from a different angle. But for me... Um, it just took too long to set its stall out. And so, um, yeah, it fell down for me. So Shame. disappointing. Very nice looking film. You know, it looks yeah. really, really good. You know, it was a, it was a slick production, but no, um, yeah, a bit of a shame. But then... But then, but then on the opposite side of that coin, Space Jam is a genius work of art, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you're nearly there, Dan. So I went into Space Jam with quite low expectations. Oh, okay. um, I did like the first. Um, I was a little bit excited to see the second, but I'd heard things. Basically, I'd seen some reviews and they were awful. Mm. Um, but I do make sure like I'm not swayed too much by reviews even if some reviews awful well, I kudos, still see kudos, kudos for you for going anyway even though you've read shit reviews yeah. you've got that, that's the whole point we always talk about I'm willing to give it a try on my own merit absolutely and so um, with Space Jam, then, so it's a it's a reimagining of the of the, the you know the film previous. Um, this time, instead of going to space, um, it's all to do with um, LeBron James rather than Michael Jordan and his son going into um, a an AI, a computer, um, course, a computer of game. Of course. Um, so I might not be explaining it very well, but that's because to be honest, it's it is actually pretty confusing. You know, um, is the, it like Ready Player One? Yeah, very much so. Because that's what the trailer said to me. There's yeah. a lot of references to other cultural linchpins and other kind of media. Is that right? Absolutely spot yeah. on. Like, for example, um, at the basketball game, you know, the main sort of climax of the movie, in the crowd are hundreds upon hundreds of Warner Brother characters from all different, like, types of movies. And so what is fun is trying to, like, pick them out. So I picked out, like... Uh, the clown from it and then i picked out like the mask and then i picked out like the flintstones or the adams family and all these different things so that's that's a lot of fun um also uh the the looney tune characters and, and lebron james actually get at different points in the film get put into some warner brother movies and that's quite fun to see that sort of like play out um like i say it's quite confusing but the one saving grace of the movie the, the one thing i really liked um is i really liked lebron james um he seems like such a likable guy and i didn't know much about the guy all i really knew about him was his name and that he was a, a really good basketball it's player like the second best basketball player in the world ever yeah, like, yeah. he you know i mean I don't know nothing about basketball apart from uh, Michael Jordan. So for LeBron James to be on my radar, he must be very good. Mm. And um, he's just really likable. And he, 
if he wasn't in the film, I would have come out quite disappointed. But he's very charismatic. I thought um, he's not a great actor. You know, the guy, you know, he's a basketball player. He can't really act, but he, I don't know, he's just likable on screen, and he plays a good part. And um, he was like the saving grace. So although the film is quite confusing, um, it's quite all over the place. It's completely unoriginal. Um, you know, it's got a, a ridiculous baddie who's played by Don Cheadle, who's oh, cool. Nice. Um, but he plays an AI. It's it's very, very odd. But LeBron James saves the movie. And so I came out um, with a smile on my face. And then as we were pulling away from the cinema, we saw two friends who actually were in the same show as us. So I hung out the window and said, oh, how you doing, guys? Did you like the film? And they said, yeah, yeah, we did. And they said exactly the same as me. They said, we're surprised. So I think a lot of people um, are going to go thinking it's going to be awful and come out and go, actually, like, not bad. Will kids like it? Yeah. Mm. I think, um, for example, your boy, it might be a little bit old for him. What I mean by that is the first 20 minutes, there's no cartoon characters. And as we said before, um, you know, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old might turn off. Need to catch them but perfect for a, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, yeah. a 10-year-old, 11-year-old. Absolutely perfect. And to be honest, they'll probably understand all this like AI stuff better than me. Yeah. It, um, you know, it's it went over my head a bit. But no, it was, it was a nice surprise and um, I did enjoy it. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think it might be a bit harsh. Reviewers giving it like, you know, one out of 10, two out of 10, three out of 10, because films like that don't have to be <laughs> like brilliantly acted or don't have to make a lot of sense. They're just... They're just a bit of fun on screen. I'm sure if you go back and look at the reviews of the original Space Jam, they probably weren't great. No, absolutely, but yeah. That, us going as kids watching it weren't looking for the same thing the reviewers were looking for. So you, you can mostly, with those type of films, ignore the kind of standard reviews. Um, ask the kids and and people who are going to see it what they thought. Rather, that's This is where Rotten Tomatoes kind of has its place, where audience get to review things as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I bet this is the kind of film that has... A higher rating for audience than it does for the for the reviewers yeah and i think it'll all be down to lebron james so i'm now a fan of lebron james i like him and um if he's in any other more mo- any other movies i might check him out because i really liked him so that's me mate i'm um, busy with week of films watched a lot at home went to the cinema once to see space jam what about you have you been watching anything good i have indeed mate well yeah, I have. Uh, Exciting. So, what are you doing then, Dan? Uh, the, the first one I want to talk about is an Amazon Prime movie called The Tomorrow War. Have you heard of it? Um, does it star Chris Pratt? It does indeed ah, star Chris Pratt. I have heard of it. Um, in fact, I've heard other people um, praising it. And then, surprise, surprise, I read a review which um, panned it. So mm. I'm interested to hear what you think. Well, basically, uh, if you don't know what it's about, it's, uh, well, there's clues in the title. It's about a war that happens tomorrow. Uh, not <laughs> literally tomorrow, but in the future. Um, uh, and you'll like it, actually, mate, because it's one of the early scenes uh, that the when it all starts kicking off. Effectively, what happens is there's a war in the future and uh, the humans are losing. All right, so there's an intergalactic war. Aliens are coming down. Um, and this isn't any spoilers here. And uh, the humans are losing, but luckily they work out how to time travel, go back in time and start recruiting people from today to go into the future to fight the war. Oh, so like almost the opposite of like Kyle Reese and Terminator. Exactly. They're getting yeah. people from now yeah. for the future. Cool. So look, we run out of people. Your kids and grandkids are fighting a war and they're losing. We need your help. Um, that's so a great premise. I like that. It's yeah. a really, really good premise. <laughs> I really yeah. like that. And that's why I wanted to watch it because I heard the premise. It's like... Yes, yeah, I'm in. And um, effectively, it all kicks off in the middle of the World Cup final. 
Uh, and oh, the Football World Cup final. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Brazil are playing and another team, I can't really remember who, but I was just, because it starts off with this just game going on in the background. These, these Americans having a party and it's the Soccer World Cup in their eyes <laughs> and they're all watching it and, and they're sat down watching it and suddenly this portal opens over this uh, the halfway line and humans start pouring out. And at this point you're thinking, what's going on? Are these bad guys? Um, but they're basically using that massive global event to get across to everybody what's happening in the future and from there conscription happens just as it did you know in earlier wars conscription happens and people get pulled in and taken to the war now our main protagonist in this is a character called dan played by chris pratt and he's a conveniently a former soldier turned science teacher, uh, which gives him the unique set of skills he is required to be the protagonist of this film. Yeah, um, or any action movie. Yeah, <laughs> and basically he's a loving dad looking to make a better life for himself. He's always saying he's meant for more. His daughter's saying she's meant for for more. And um, slight spoilers going on from here, so if you don't want to know um, what goes on, uh, skip ahead. But I think most people can guess what's going to happen. He he gets conscripted. Uh, he goes into the future. He makes a name for himself by running this uh, kind of operation and leading these people who have never picked up a weapon in their lives basically have two weeks training and then go go to war. Um, and there's like a Stargate section where they all get sucked up, go into the future, dropped straight down like a computer game into this world where they're these, I think they're called white spikes or something, they're called. Um, Who are they fighting? Uh, they, like they're like robots aliens. Or... Like, oh, aliens. They're, okay. they're like monsters. And really well-designed aliens, some yeah. I say. Uh, quite different. You know, usually you get this grey am- amoebus mess. Yeah. Uh, like it's, they're all for, it's all gone from Alien where the Xenomorph became so popular. Everyone's gone for similar-looking things. Even I, I, I do like the design of the ones from The Qui- A Quiet Place, but I even think they are... Uh, like stick insect. The, yeah, that's the colour's it. boring. I know you mean. It's These very, are, yeah, they've the, gone for a bit uh, something different. They're white and spiky, and, and they've got weird weapon. They shoot out spikes from like their their um, extremities, cool. and uh, yeah, interesting. And I really I really like that. So um, there's this kind of computer game aesthetic to some of it, where you're dropping and you're being spawned. Um, and basically, yeah, he runs this mission really well, makes a name for himself, uh, where he gets like then you're supposed to do a couple of tours or whatever, and he he gets persuaded to stay on. Um, And it turns out the person running this whole operation is his daughter in the future wow um, so you have this scene like, again spoilers like where he gets to know oh this is my daughter from the future we're about similar age now um, but she's conveniently after the conversation I had with her earlier about being the best she could be and you can do anything you want to be she becomes the leader of the resistance like the Carl Reese type, uh, not the Carl Reese the, the uh, John Connor uh, character <laughs> um, uh, but basically it goes on from there and all of this setup I was really on board with and it just loses its way a bit and the tomorrow war ends a lot sooner than you think it would like not the war it doesn't get won sooner than you you think it would but they come back to the past a lot sooner than I expected and that kind of lose I think it loses momentum there a bit Mm. and they go off on a different mission in the in the in the present I just think it's a bit of a missed opportunity a great premise um I don't think I think it was trying to be funny sometimes and didn't particularly work. There are some really good action scenes. There are some really really obvious cliches in it. Um, Chris Pat Pratt has obviously got a lot of charisma. I was um, gonna say, what's he like as sort of an action hero lead? Is he? He's really good. I think yeah, I think he's really good considering where he was like what fifteen years ago, where he is now. This he was this like sloppy, you know, slightly overweight comedy actor, and now he's this ripped and he. And, 
he does get his top off, obviously, because he's worked hard and he wants to show everybody what he's got. Um, and he's doing all right, you know. He's packing Fair some. He's, he's packing some 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 unit there. We've um, we've recently finished on Parks and Rec, which I know I've mentioned, yeah. and he's like, quite a main character in that. And it's quite funny. You can see him like slowly getting more um, more like Hollywood yeah. body he's as the series toned. goes on. His you know? hair gets more quaffed. Yeah, he's getting a bit of designer stubble. Yeah, he's uh, a, by he, the end, he's, he's, he's a jawline, good-looking good yeah. guy. Yeah, and <laughs> he he's great. I think he is great. I think I think the film isn't great. But it's obviously done quite well, or, or they've come up with a great idea because a, a sequel has already been announced, ah. um, and which is very rare, uh, especially for these streaming movies. Like you don't obviously get a a, a sequel um, straight away. Um, so yeah, I think it's worth a watch. Um, inter- interesting sci-fi concept, not delivered the best, uh, but I think there's some decent action scenes in there for you to see. And I just like the the first like half an hour to forty five minutes. I just think it's an interesting setup, mm. uh, which they could have done a lot more with. Uh, it, yeah, it just doesn't stick the landing for me. Oh, we've said it a lot of times, haven't we? Especially with sci-fi, it's often some great concepts where we're like, oh, wow. But to, to get a good concept and to deliver the movie, it's hard sometimes, yeah. isn't it? And often the movie falls down, you know. So it sounds interesting and, yeah, worth checking out. Yeah, worth a watch. You're not paying anything to see it, you know, if you've got a subscription. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. A bit too long, I think, as well. I don't even know how long it was. It just felt like it was outstanding. It's mm. welcome. Uh, but yeah, I just found it interesting that we all kicked off at the World Cup final. Um, <laughs> yeah, very topical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next film, I've got t- two more that I want to talk about. This one I'm going to be quite brief on because uh, it's not worth spending my time on. Um, have you have you ever seen the Hitman's Bodyguard, mate? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Um, Shah's quite keen to go and see the Hitman's Bodyguard's wife. I think that's what it's called, mm-hmm. isn't it, in the cinema? And Hitman's I, Wife's Bodyguard, That's I think. the one, one yeah. Um, I, I'm not keen. I've seen a trailer. It really doesn't look up my street. And so, yeah, I have no history of that film but or You've franchise. not watched the original? No. Okay. Should I? Um, no. No. Like, <laughs> I've seen the original, and I remember thinking, meh. Like, I, yeah. Again, it's got people I like in it. Uh, obviously, the original had Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson in it. I like both of them very much. But they've both been in some pretty bad films. Um, uh, this one's one of them, I'm afraid. Um, I didn't enjoy it much. Uh, I, I think I laughed twice in it. There were, there were a couple of funny moments. There's There's a good cameo an unexpected father figure appears uh, it's the last person you expect it to be it's Ryan Reynolds father um, uh, which is interesting they play that for laughs um, but I just found it a bit too much I will say I really enjoyed and I would like to see a solo movie uh, with Selma Hayek's character in it she's the hitman's wife is cool? and she's just a loud mouth like Latino woman and she dominates the film for me and I know that's what it's about it's the hitman's wife's bodyguard yeah. uh, it's it's her introduction into this film I just don't think that the the premise around it the 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 action around it the, the story the script don't work but she she was fucking brilliant and I haven't seen her in anything decent for a while or do anything decent for a while have a decent meaty role um, and I wouldn't say this is meaty but uh, she's just she does something interesting with it and she's a really likeable character um, so I don't particularly like the film she was probably the only uh, the only positive for it for me and I watched it like the day after I watched I, I forgot to talk about it in the last um, episode I watched it the day after I watched um, uh, Fast and Furious and it's so forgettable this film that I forgot to mention it in the last podcast I just wanted to mention that I've seen it <laughs> I watched it at the cinema um, and that was two very annoying films in two days for me and oh. it was kind of, <laughs> I was so pissed off um, so yeah I, I can't I can't recommend it, really. Um, but if you like the first one, you'll probably like this one as well. 
Awesome. Well, like I say, I'll get Shah to you know listen back to this. Just <laughs> yeah. to, so you, I'm I, like, Dave, do you really want to go and see this? <laughs> I would guess that Shah would like it. She will. She likes Ryan Reynolds. So. I'm not saying that Shah has bad taste, uh, <laughs> bad taste in movies because she doesn't. She has different taste in movies. Yeah. And Good I, way of putting it. I can imagine her enjoying this because it's it's lighthearted. It's mm. fun. You know, in places it's aimed at people like her, it, which it, is yeah, it's, got a place. It's got like action scenes. Um, it's got a bit of banter, um, but I just felt it was a bit tired. I've seen too many films like it. Mm. Um, it didn't do anything new or exciting for me. Um, I, and I find I started to find Ryan Reynolds a bit grating in it. Yeah. Do you find he, like, he started as well to almost be the same in every movie? A little bit, and yeah. that um, and that's like a bit of a slippery slope for an actor, isn't it? Because he plays Ryan Reynolds and everything. Yeah, yeah, which is um, yeah, which you know it isn't good. You want to try and get out of that 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 habit quick as you can because otherwise you'll be massively typecast. You'll never do anything else again mm. but a Ryan Reynolds sort of film. And I really like Ryan Reynolds, um, but it, it, not enough for this film, I'm afraid. No. Um, just a word on him. I am looking forward to. I saw the poster for it last night, and I know you're looking forward to it too. Is Free Guy? I am. Yeah. Um, which I, I, again. Great setup, great premise. Will it be good? I don't know, but um, a guy stuck in a computer game—it just sounds. I really hope cool. so. Yeah, it, it's ba- it looks like they could. Ba- it's basically a Grand Theft Auto movie, but <laughs> that kind of thing. I hope it is anyway. Yeah. Um, and last, and, and certainly not least, is I watched. Uh, I mentioned in the last podcast, I watched the first episode of all the first film in a in a planned trilogy. It was uh, Fear Street, um, and I have since watched. I have since uh, seen the uh, following two. So I've actually completed the Fear Street trilogy. Oh, nice. So you've watched the 70s one and the 1600 one. So the first one was uh, 1994. Uh, The second one is 1978. And I'll talk about that one first. So uh, just briefly, it's kind of a Friday the 13th pastiche. So they're all on, on this camp uh, like holiday, you get unusually though for these uh, kind of kind of summer camp movies. Um, the the actual kids are there as well, so um, you you get the guys that are running the camp, which you usually do, and they're the ones that usually get slaughtered the by the killer, the councillors, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, but you also get the kids in this one, and uh, spoilers that uh, they get slaughtered as well. Uh, which wow, <laughs> original. So I really liked the way they've they've really gimmicked the styles. Um, of obviously the fir- the mimic to styles of of the scream kind of nineties one in the in the first one, then they've gone for the aesthetic of the kind of Friday the Thirteenth, the Halloween type slasher movies, the kind of genesis of those types of movies, um, and they do it really well. And I think that one's really effective as well. Those two are on a par for me. The first two, cool, um, really well done. And I was worried, really worried about the third one um, because it then jumps way back to sixteen sixty six. It's quite a jump, isn't it? You know, yeah. Effectively, there's this through line and this isn't really a spoiler because I think it's in all the trailers of a witch called Sarah Fear um, and she is basically the cause of these uh, slasher uh, killers going around killing people I won't tell you how or why um, but basically she's created this curse and it's creating killers in this town because I think in the first one that that, that boy had all those newspaper clippings didn't he of all the past things he's like look she did this and this and this and this and this this." so So basically every generation there's a killer and it's constantly on on a rotation of killers killing a certain amount of people Um, and and it goes back and it's even mentioned in the first episode it goes way back to 1666 where this pastor slaughtered a certain amount of people Um, now this film visits that time and Sarah Fear um, and does something really clever with it where they take the actors from the other two movies and puts them in the roles um, back then. And oh, not- so they're playing different characters, but 
they're still peering yeah. in the thing. That's cool. Some of them are playing their ancestors, right? Uh, which which it's kind of a Back to the Future three type yeah. part three type thing, and it really is. I think it's I think it's not accidental either because if you think the first Back to the Futures were within like the same period, like go a bit to the future, a bit to the past, but within like a forty year probably yeah. period. And then we're like Wild West, like yeah, going exactly, way, out go there, way yeah. back. And this is kind of what this does. It goes way back. Some of the actors playing their ancestors, some of the actors playing different characters, but with a similar role. Uh, so there's this um, central romantic uh, twist, um, which causes the whole uh, the whole saga uh, to unleash. As basically, this Seraphia ca- character is accused of being a witch, and it's your classic witch hunt type film um, where she's getting targeted for doing things out of the norm. You get these narrow-minded kind of settlers that think the reason the crops are going bad and the reason this is happening is because of this witch um and they just sort of like um stick on fire pitchfork mate literally literally that happens (laughs) so uh so you you get the torches and the pitchforks and she's getting hunted down and and i'm not going to spoil it but it's this is the best best one i i really loved the last one they this is the i i was really worried that it's going to go back and it's going to be um a a bad finish but it ties everything up nicely and it's two movies in one this last one it's almost four parts this this trilogy Uh, two into the last because you do the whole 1666 thing yeah and again this isn't a spoiler then for the last i think it must have been about 40 minutes they go back into 1996 Um, oh so we're at the 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 most present day we get to almost. sorry 1994 yeah. Yeah. yeah so it comes right up to the right up to the present um well the, the their 1994 present, yeah. yeah their present so it, it spans 300 years um you don't feel lost at any point it's really clever in the way they pin the the narratives together because there are three different narratives going on but intertwined through certain characters and certain lineages um there's this central curse and this locations because it's all, all set in the same location but mm. in different years where they all look completely different there's a mall being built on the place where this witch was hung and and it's mate i i really enjoyed it like don't get me wrong it's not high art there's nothing crazy about the direction and stuff like that i just think they're very well made slasher films and like folk horror films that's what really got me about the last one it's like a folk horror film mixed in with a slasher and and then it finished and i never felt lost and i just really felt unlike the other films that it stuck to the premise and stuck the landing and i really enjoy i can't like yeah i really really recommend it oh amazing because i remember we said last week um we both watched the first part by then haven't we yeah. and we said we both like liked it we're like yeah mm. it was good you know not great but not bad it was just it was it was quite good the first part but we said didn't we it's got a, it'll hang on whether the last part can like tie it all together yeah. and it seems like it definitely does so I need to watch them other two because it sounds good yeah I think I think the first one um, has a lot of uh, the heavy lifting to do it needs to set up the premise mm. get you involved in those characters and I think the second one feels a bit loose like it's similar on par there's, I think there's some better kills in it I think the killer's slightly more intimidating and the ending's better um, but then I think the third one, by that time, they're at a real stride and doing some original original stuff when it comes to the kind of the through line of the trilogy rather than the film itself. Um, yeah, I just I just think it's a really really decent kind of experiment in how we can think about film franchises now. Obviously, yeah. in cinema, you you rarely get 
like a franchise saying right well we would never get it saying right we're going to release one on friday and <laughs> then eat into our profits for that one and and do another one the next week whereas these streaming services can do experimental things like this and release a film a week for three weeks and i really enjoyed it whereas i think if they did this over five or six years I probably wouldn't have watched the second and third because I thought, oh yeah, I remember that. wasn't great. Didn't set my, you know, yeah. set my world alight. Quick anything. succession helped that you kept your interest, and luckily yeah. it did. Like it seemed like a, a good experiment that paid off. And so if, yeah, effectively, I've watched like a what a seven-hour movie because um, it's it is there's through lines there and the same characters and things. And I really think all of the kid actors in it are likable. Um, I I think some of the killer performances in the in the final two that you haven't seen are really worth watching but yeah mate i'd recommend sticking with it nice i'll, I'll definitely have to do that and it's nice to see him do something original um you know with that it's not just your average slasher film so yeah fair play to the makers of that you know netflix for like commissioning that because it sounds like they've done a bang-up job yeah i got a feeling they might do some more in that fear street uh kind of realm because i know the books expand on loads of different stories and mm. things and this is just a, a route they went down so uh, i hope they do because I, I quite enjoyed it awesome oh nice one dan that sounds cool anything else you want to talk about before we crack on with today's movie mate nah um i think actually one tiny thing it's not really about anything i've watched it was something i, I thought about the other day and i thought um actually i mentioned it on the podcast all it is is that um people that have been listening since the start um will remember we did an episode of once upon a time in hollywood mm. and um what it was is that a couple of weeks ago, my mate rang me and um, he was halfway through Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, no, I said to him, what have you been up to? He said, I've watched half of it. I'll watch the other half tomorrow. I said, what do you think? And um, he pretty much echoed what I said the first time I sort of saw it. He's like, yeah, it's all right, mate. It's a bit long, a bit weird. Like, not a lot is happening. Like, it's a lot of talking. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying the characters and stuff. Mm. Anyway, we're talking about it for about 10 minutes on the phone. And I started, like, you know, not doing impressions, but going, oh, I loved it when he said that. And I loved it when he said this. And then... And then the next night, he rang me after he'd seen the end of it. And he was like, whoa, the end was pretty crazy, wasn't it? You know. And then we, again, we started talking for another 10 minutes about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And as I was talking about it, I was like smiling a lot. And like basically, I was thinking, actually, really, really like that film. Like, really like it. Yeah. And so it got me thinking over the last few days. And basically, I think my love for that film, without watching it again since we did our podcast, has like grown. Mine has too, for a different reason. But Oh, interesting. So, yeah. But do you know what I mean? So it's just, it's really interesting. I haven't watched it since. I've probably seen it three times. I haven't watched it since we did it for the podcast. I remember I liked it. You love, you know, you liked it yeah. too, more than me when we did the podcast. I didn't think it was a bad film at all. I thought it was really good. I just didn't love it. Anyway, over the last six months, just organically, I've just, I've just, it's just gone more into my subconscious, and mm. I'm like, I'm really like, even though I haven't watched it back, I'm remembering things, going, that is brilliant, that yeah. is brilliant, I'm loving it, and so I think if I watch Once Upon a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again, I think I will think it's like incredible, mm. and I just think it's interesting how that film has grown on me without me watching it again over the last sort of six months, eight months, or whatever purely because it is a great film and it's just in my mind it's just growing and my love for it is just getting bigger so just thought i'd mention that <laughs> mine is uh, mine it's very weird mate because this very week i've been thinking about that film oh, for right. a different reason what is that what's um, been going on i've been listening to the soundtrack because there's a particular song on it that i couldn't remember the name of um and so i looked i know what film it's in because i was singing it in my head and i was like i know it's in that film Let what me song go. is it um it's a neil diamond song oh uh, is it the um traveling band yes. that's a yeah. good song that yeah yeah so I was like I, I want to listen to that song so I listened to the soundtrack so I've been at work doing some like monotonous tasks I'm not going to say boring they're just monotonous <laughs> I've got to get through a lot of work in a short space of time I don't really need to like to, to think creatively like, so I can just put on a headset 
listen to some music and plow through um plow through some work and um i did that for about three or four hours one day and i was like i'm just going to listen to the the soundtrack for once upon a time in america and fuck me it's such a good soundtrack and it just made me want to go home and watch it and i've been wanting to watch it ever since you've been chomping at the bit to watch it, it it can't be that long since we watched it right when was it um it would have been october october wow i think long quite you know quite a few months quite a back while, yeah. and i i just i'm really happy that I and I know you're like this too, but that we we can um, we can be not so set in our ways that you know I'm happy to. Like, I mean, I didn't not like the film, but I'm happy to like go back and go. Actually, I think a lot more of that now. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I know I know it's very easy to be closed off and go right. That's what I think, and I'm never changing my mind. Whereas once upon a time, once upon a time in Hollywood. I'm thinking, actually, if I was scoring that now, I'd give it a higher score. Yeah. I really like that film, but I really want to watch it again. Mm. And um, I think it just proves that, you know, the first, second, third time you watch something, even if you don't like it or there's things you didn't like, you might start to like it as you mature or think about it more or, you know. It's interesting, well, isn't that it? relates to this week's film, mate, because my opinion has changed on this week's film. Ah, interesting. So that is a, a great um, link to this week's movie. Which is? Uh, the World's End. Nice segue. Yeah, professionals. Nice. Yeah, man. We've been. Fucking... We're not amateurs, right? We've been doing this a while. You know? <laughs> Love it. I'm keeping all that in, by the way. Ever had one of those nights that starts out like any other, but ends up being the best night of your life? I did. Our goal that night was simple: twelve pubs, twelve pints, from the first post to the world's end. But that night, we never made it. I saw the boys the other day. Uh-huh. We're going to go back to Newton Haven. Why? Five guys, 12 pubs, 50 pints. 60 pints. <laughs> Steady on, you alkie. This is our chance to finally finish what we started. <laughs> we are going to do the Golden Mile, and this time we are going to see it through to the bitter end. Or lager end. Good evening, Raimondo. The prodigal son's return. Hi. What do you recommend? Beer. Mmm. One tap water. What? What the hell is this? Why are we even here? We are here to get annihilated. You come back and everything's sort of weird. I suggest you get on your way. It's not us that's changed. It's the town. We are going to get to the world's end if it kills us. Welcome home, boys. end what do we do let's finish our drinks so what's your what's your history with the world's end mate um so my history with the world's end is that i watched it probably like a year or two after coming out i didn't see it at the cinema um i like i like uh shaun of the dead i'm not like the biggest fan in the world it seems like a lot of people know every word of shaun of the dead i'm not one of those people Mm. i've probably only seen it maximum twice most people have seen it at least 10 times so i think i'm a lot of people know a million things more than Shaun of the Dead than me. Hot Fires, I like more than Shaun of the Dead, and I've seen that more, um, and I really, really like that film. Um, when The World's End came out, um, I wasn't like absolutely buzzing to see it, but I, thought, you know, but I thought when it comes out on DVD, I will catch up on it. Anyway, watched it a couple of years after it came out in the cinema, and I remember so vividly loving the start. Like I was mm. so into the start, I was really, really enjoying it. And then, um, because the it, it shifts the like it shifts the sort of gear, you know, quite dramatically, sort of halfway through, and changes sort of like track. Um, that came as a bit of a jolt to me, and I remember f- 
at the end of the film thinking, mm, like, I'm not sure I liked how it all sort of panned out in the end. But that's the only time I'd seen it. I'd forgotten a lot. That was probably about 2014, 2015. So we're talking about a long time now. So mm. my history was, I've only seen it once. And what about you, mate? What's your history with The World's End? Well, I'm similar to you. I like Shaun of the Dead. I've seen it quite a few times. Probably not 10, but <laughs> around then, um, because it, it was just massive for a while, wasn't it? And uh, still is. I think it's probably one of the most popular British films in recent history. Um, I, I, too, prefer Hot Fuzz. I think it's, I think it's funnier. I think it's... Um, original i think it's referential to films which obviously we love which sean the dead is obviously as well um and um I, I just think yeah it's it's a lot of fun and i i was really really pumped for the world's end um and i did go and see it in the cinema and uh i enjoyed it uh, but for me it's the worst of the trilogy um by quite a bit that's at, at the time, the time this is yeah. what i thought um and uh, i i did i did really enjoy it and uh, i think it had a lot of merit and i did come away quoting a few bits from it um but i just remember thinking oh it's it's a bit it's a bit of a letdown. I'm thinking it had a hard act to follow didn't it or had Certainly. a hard two acts i mean to hit a perfect third would have been i think really difficult so i think i think a lot of people who are big fans of the first two would have come out going yeah it was okay and so i can see why that happened but yeah. the interesting thing is now you know years later you're watching it again so you know i'm keen to sort of hear what you think you know yeah you know. I, I was keen because i yeah. that's the only time i've i've seen it um I, I was trying to think i don't think i've seen it since because i don't remember much about it i remember obviously there's not much to remember because it's kind of a a film on on tram lines because it's going in one direction you know where it's going as as when you know what the conceit is and what the ending is it's hitting certain beats along the way and once you know the pub names you know what's happening in each pub effectively yeah. we all know um but let's get into that do you want to before we get into it properly mate uh, do you want to give us one of george's famous synopsis yeah i'd love to so um this film then um it centers around the simon Pegg character who's gary king they call him the king and um, he's basically, uh, him and his pals um, left school in 1990 and um, had a blast at school, as it seems. And basically, sort of 10, 15 years later, he rings up all his mates and says, um, oh, sorry, I forgot to say, they did a pub crawl when they were, you know, just left school and they were going to hit 12 pubs, but they only hit 9 or 10. They didn't quite finish the 12. So he basically rings up his mates in the future and says, yeah, should we go for it again? Should we do all 12? So basically, the, the film is about uh, the five mates getting back together sort of years later and um, trying to do the pub pub call again, and they're going to hit all 12 pubs and hopefully finish in the World End pub. Mm. Um, that's the, the premise of the film. Nice. Well, let me give you the first one I found on Google. 20 years after attempting an epic pub crawl, Five childhood friends reunite when one of them becomes hell-bent on trying the drinking marathon again. They are convinced to stage an encore by mate Gary King, a 40-year-old man trapped at the cigarette end of his teens who drags his reluctant pals to their hometown and once again attempts to reach the fabled pub, The World's End. As they attempt to reconcile the past and present, they realise the real struggle is for the future, not just theirs, but humankind's. Reaching the world's end is the least of their worries. Mm. So there we go. Exciting. Yeah, bit of a man-child, <laughs> which we'll get into. Mm. Um, but yeah, this movie opens with, we talked about this on the way in today, mate, a rack 
<laughs> hmm. the most beautiful looking pints you ever did see in cinema oh they're, they're just a classic british pint you know racked up and they look ice cold dewy and just, yeah just oh just nice amber yeah um oh. it really really tempted both me and dan said oh we, we could while watching this we definitely could have done with a yeah. beer because um it's that sort of movie isn't it anyway we basically get Simon Pegg narrating, don't we, for the first yeah. five minutes. And um, well, I should say Gary. And basically, he's telling us... No, um, say Simon Pegg, mate. In the <laughs> tradition of this, <laughs> oh, yeah, this of podcast, we well, always go by the actor's name. Yeah, it keeps it much more simple because yeah. there are a few characters in this. Um, so basically, he's basically uh, in, a, in a very fast-paced and sort of Edgar Wright style. It's chopping and changing, and, and we're seeing basically these kids um, sort of leave school and we're introduced to the characters and what happened in their sort of like, you know, their last pub crawl before they left school, aren't we? That's right, yeah. Proper reminiscing of that infamous pub crawl. Um, And this, uh, I think most people will know this who've seen this film. Um, There's a lot of foreshadowing in this kind of montage, isn't there? Because as he explains the pub crawl, he actually not so overtly uh, explains the whole premise of the film, the whole plot of the film, beat by beat. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I was something that on third of you in, I think I might get. Yeah. Um, but no, I, that went past so me straight over. Go back. Well, I'm going to go back and listen to that music so we can find out what that music is. And you go back and uh, watch that first montage where he's explaining the pub crawl and he's like subtly saying things in a certain way that it could be read two ways so he talks about the two headed you know, twins blah 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 and it's getting smashed blah, blah. he says a lot of things in there which you, you can, can read link to later, actually, like, to later it's exact cool. scenes uh, that, that go on uh, so that is a very Edgar Wright thing and this film couldn't be more Edgar Wright could it <laughs> He's, it's very Edgar Wrighty yeah like you, you would put this film on and without knowing the director you would know um, who's been involved in making this yeah. film because it's got like their fingerprints all over it hasn't it yeah um, and another face who popped up in this in this first sort of five minutes who I don't remember being in it at all um, who brings a bit of class is Pierce Brosnan yes um, as, as as Mr Shepherd, one of their teachers and they said he was one of the, the cool teachers you see him like lighting up a fag with Gary King don't you um, and basically Gary King so the Simon Pegg character he's sort of like the leader of this gang when they're young isn't he he's, he's a proper party animal he's smoking he's drinking he's leading them all like you know into pubs and into clubs and he's just he's like a fun guy to hang around with it seems but the problem is that's when he was at his coolest and he, he never got cooler yeah and i'll be honest like i i've i think we all have we've we all know people or know of people or have seen this in life so they peaked yeah peaked definitely too soon absolutely and so th- we'll get to it but there's parts in this film where i thought actually like in some way it's quite sad watching it really isn't it mm. because um you do get people like that who who love the buzz and the, the 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 popularity and the excitement of of being at school and that sort of and they never grow out of it and it's a shame really yeah, yeah, and uh, you see Peg's actually narrating uh, this whole thing, but he's actually telling the whole story in what seems to be an AA meeting, doesn't it? Yeah, um, so basically he, he, it sort of cuts, doesn't it? And then you see him you see him not as you know a 1990s teenager, but as how, he, how he is now yeah. in this AA meeting. Um, and I love the guy who leans over to him and just says, oh, weren't you gutted you didn't make the, the 12th pub? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> kind of like a sort of, prod. Yeah, and it sort of dawns on him. He's like... Yeah, yeah, actually, like, yeah, you can tell he's annoyed it never happened. In storytelling, that's what's known as the call to action, mate. <laughs> oh, nice. So that was the call to action yeah. there then. Five minutes in, yeah. come on. Come on, go, go do it again. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so he's basically, let's get the old gang back together scenario. Um, and this is your, very much like we've talked about the Oceans films, uh, getting the, the team together. Um, 
Peg is out there being a bit of a prick, but trying to get everybody together. I think the first one is Simon, isn't it? Um, who's what Eddie Marsden is it? Uh, who's a car salesman? Yeah, um, and so I quite like how he sort of how he bumps into him. Is in he's standing Simon Pegg standing looking at a car, isn't he? And because he's got his back to him, he believes that he's sort of up for buying a car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as he gets closer, Simon Pegg's been drowned, doesn't he? And sort of surprise him. Yeah, and there's quite a few bits when he's meeting up with everybody that he's acting like they saw each other recently and they're still best mates and really close <laughs> but they haven't seen each other for years like like yeah. maybe even a decade or so, or, yeah. or something he says to me that he goes what's your new number he goes my new number i've had it 10, 10 years, years mate yeah, like yeah. so he obviously hasn't yes. seen these people for a long time <laughs> yeah um and like he meets each character and each one's got like quite a decent job you know he's yeah. got like a car salesman or he sort of he, it's from, from what they talk about later it sounds like he sort of owns the business so like yeah. you know he's doing well he one of his friends is a lawyer you know nice office glass paddy considine's an architect i think yeah or, or like, that's it you know on a big building so they're all yeah. doing really really well and you know the way they're dressed they're all in suits they're all one's got a bluetooth headset which is like always the sign of someone doing like quite well yeah um it was anyway well, it was <laughs> now it's the a sign of a prick <laughs> 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 Absolutely, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you saw it, if you walk around one of them, yeah. you do look like a brick. Like, it's 2021. <laughs> And but the thing is, Simon Pegg's character is just dressed exactly how he was back in 1990 big yeah. old black trench coat. Um, he looks like an idiot, but a, like basically. I sort of like feel for this character do you know what yeah. I mean so I know he looks like a bit of a tit but I quite like him yeah agree yeah I, yeah he's he's a hateable prick but he's also a lovable prick um but yeah so I think like I said Peter Constantine's an architect he says something to him like 12 pints is insane and I'm, I'm not saying I'm a massive drinker on it 12 pints isn't insane it's a lot of pints to have but it's not insane no I mean I think they did ramp up the um the uh, what's the word? Basically, I thought all his mates were absolute fannies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like twelve pints. Like, come yeah. on. We I know what you mean. We wouldn't do. We've often, all had twelve pints. Like, yeah. yeah. But I think mates... we have twelve pints when we did the drunk episode, didn't we, mate? Oh, mate. Like, yeah. And the we rest. Had, <laughs> we had twelve pints of rum. <laughs> yeah. As you all heard. It's not big but... and it's not clever, but it's not insane. <laughs> it's doable. But like I say, that's the only word I can think of. Basically, his mates acted, and they do act in this whole film like absolute fannies. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean they're so they're so like uppity? Like, you know, they don't want to be in a pub. And like, oh, do you know what I mean? And to be honest, they're winding me up because, like, I'm I'm on board with the Simon Pegg character. You know, I'm like, yeah, he's fun, and he might be like, he might be a forty year old acting like an eighteen year old. But I'm like, yeah, go for it, Nick. And I don't think they've, and other than the Nick Frost character, I don't think they've given enough reason for everybody else to be so dismissive of Gary or Simon Pegg. I agree. I, I think you, yeah. you call them fannies. I I, I think they're, they're just being too dismissive. If one of my mates came to me that I hadn't seen for a while. He's obviously not in a good way, and he wants to go out and have a good night out with his mates. Fuck, I'm going to go and have a good night out with him and find out what's up, you know, what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, like, There's obviously something going on. None of them seem to give a shit about what's going on in Gary's world, and I think they come across as bigger pricks than he does. He's just desperate to get relive his youth. And he's going obviously going through a tough time, and he lies a, a few <laughs> about his mum dying and things like that <laughs> yeah, later on. Just uh, that, but I think they're bigger pricks than him in these scenes because they're, they're just like, no, what, like, I'm not interested. Yeah, I'd agree. And I thought, um, probably apart from the Nick Frost character, the other um, three, 
I think they were like really undeveloped and like pretty boring, really. Like they're at this like, stage, yeah. yeah, like pretty like wasted. Like they're all like the same person. They all had like a really similar sort of job, and they just weren't very interested, really. Mm. Um, Nick Frost had a little bit more about him because obviously he's going to be a bit more like top build because he's you know one of the main guys, isn't he? And obviously Simon Pegg. And there's this incredible. so-called accident that um, that co- caused him to hate him. So that, that you're obviously wondering what that is, but he's got a reason to hate him. Yeah, he has, and that comes out sort of like slowly yeah. later, doesn't it? We also one of them's. Uh, Oliver is an estate agent, and uh, that's where we get our connection this week. Oh, um, with um, Rafe Most Sport. sport yeah. um, I was literally about to ask you. So, as you were giving the synopsis, it just dawned on me. I thought, hang on a minute, where was our connection this week? And, <laughs> it, and I thought to myself, okay, so Kid at Hood was the last film. It was Ralph uh, Spool or Rafe Spool, whatever. Rafe, yeah. um, and so I looked him up, and on IMDb just a second ago, literally, and he's down as young man. Yeah. Um, so I thought because I didn't notice him as we we're watching the film, so I thought, young man, who's that? Could be anyone. It could be any of these people from later on. So it was that the was one him. behind the house. He was there with Alice Lowe, who's obviously a fucking great actress. Actor. Alice Lowe. Yeah. Have you seen Young like, Lady? Have you seen her in Prevenge? Have you seen Prevenge, where she pre- plays? A pregnant woman who's basically her fetus is talking her into killing people. It's like this slasher revenge type. Film. No, I haven't. Oh, mate, it's so good. The Watch poster it, looks incredible. Mate, it's great. Her baby's basically talking in her ear and getting her to kill people. Um, <laughs> she's also in Sightseers. Um, uh, she, she she appears in um, a lot of great British films, but specifically in a lot of Ben Wheatley films. Uh, so if you know of Ben Wheatley, um, you would have seen her somewhere. Um, I noticed as well she's in um, she's in Bandersnatch Black Mirror. As yes, the, um, she is. You're as right. The psychiatrist. Yeah. So. She's in Hot Fuzz as well. Awesome. Um, but she's great. If you you'll know her when you see her. But um, she's in a lot of good stuff. Um, so highly recommend. He must have just been like, look, I want to get all my mates in this movie. So where can I fit them all in? And <laughs> like he always does. Yeah. Could, let's be honest. Could you yeah appear for two seconds in front of Martin yeah. Freeman? Like but, okay. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to her. Um, yeah, so moving on slightly. Um, as I said, they mentioned the accident. What is this accident? We don't know yet. That's just uh, laying some track for later on. Um, he basically persuades everybody to meet at a train station, doesn't he? And they all turn up, but are moaning about it instantly. They turn up in their work attire, I think, most of them. Yeah, they just like, they do not want to be there. No. Um, and so all four of them basically are sitting, looking glum um, at the train station. He rocks up an hour late, doesn't he? In his, in, with his Ford Granada. Yeah, the beast. The beast, And, yeah. I, I, and like, these jokes are like my favourite pretty much through the whole film, where they can't believe that he hasn't moved on for yeah. loads of different things. And his car's one thing, you know. They're like, oh my God, you've got the same the same model of yeah. car you had all no, those years ago. He's no, like... No, it's the same one. It's the one you sold me. <laughs> yeah. And um, obviously they're shocked by that. So he's got yeah. the same... And he basically explains how he's changed everything on the car. It's basically a new car. Yeah. Um, but he's still, yeah, he's still got um, he's still got the beast. He's still got the mixtape that uh, Paddy Considine gave him. Yeah, um, which is cool. And it... it <laughs> He also they stop at a, a rest stop at a certain point, doesn't he? He goes and plays on an arcade machine when he says he's going for a for a piss. And Nick Frost says um, he uh, he earlier on he paid him six hundred quid, didn't he? Yeah. He, he said, "Oh, is this six hundred quid?" And Nick Frost basically, I think he's changed. He paid me back that six hundred quid. And the others go, "Well, he borrowed two hundred off me, so he's basically <laughs> borrowed two hundred off the other three, so he gives six hundred to him. Yeah. So he hasn't changed whatsoever. So he's still trapped in his teens. He's still trapped in that, There's, that Gary um, way. A really amazing bit of the, the service station where um, they one of them says, "Oh, he's going for a bit of a long piss, isn't he?" And one of them says, "Yeah." Um, if it is a piss and then makes a sign on his nose and, yeah, goes, cocaine, and the other one goes what he's doing a poo and he goes how's that a poo 
<laughs> like yeah. I, I gotta say um we're only sort of 10 minutes in and there was already about 10 bits i really laughed yeah. at like it one thing i would say this is funny i was laughing the dialogue the is really specifically is great i think brilliant the, the absolutely brilliant really um i gotta say like simon Pegg just clears up with every joke um i don't remember remember any of the other ones making me laugh like they're all there just to set Simon Pegg up with some amazing line like yeah. he was just making me laugh from the start Same. I was so warm into him it was mental yeah and then they get going again don't they and um, they get pulled over um, he gives Pete's name to the cop <laughs> yeah. and and it turns out that he's he's actually he's kept it all in his name ever since he bought the car off him <laughs> and he goes do you never wonder where the points came from <laughs> and they just cut away you don't explain it and he's basically his, his character's just accepted the points and never questioned it yeah just got on um, with it uh, but yeah then they pass over the UK's first roundabout and that's uh, again peg that for later um, did you notice that I noticed the sign yeah. um, but st- I'm not sure like how that links to later so like again that might be something near the tr- end of the film they, they're they escaping the the whole implosion yeah. and they, they drive over that roundabout oh, and smash through that sign gotcha yeah um, I see yeah. yeah but when I saw that sign it made me think god what a boring place this is like yeah. do you know what I mean like the biggest thing that they've got to like share is that it was the first roundabout um, I've got to mention one thing at this stage because already by this stage there's been about three banging tunes oh, and hey, I was, that's my next note yeah, I was like the songs in this um, this movie are so up my yeah. street I'm guessing right up your street you've got you've got primal scream and there's the roses suede and, suede and blur yeah, and yeah. happy mondays like it is a great soundtrack i was loving it oh mate i went straight on pot spotify <laughs> and, and, and liked the soundtrack next time you're doing some uh you know mate, mundane is, work uh, seriously it's next be, on my list yeah, yeah great soundtrack but they walk to the pub to suede um um everyone is looking at them weird because they're kind of like it's gary strutting and the others are looking a bit morose um and everyone's looking at them a bit weird at this point you think they're just thinking oh these fucking troublemakers or something um obviously it's something else later on um and they go to the pub and you get a very again you get a very uh edgar wright-esque uh scene where he's pouring the pipes you know the quick cuts and yep. things dush, 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 dush. Uh, four no four pints no you got five pints please sir and he, and he says no four pints and a tap and a tap water <laughs> and this is one of my favorite lines of the film and he goes you're drinking fucking <laughs> Rain. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, it's like a lion eating hummus. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. The script in this is the standout winner. The, st- yeah. the script is so amazing. It's yeah. a brilliant way of describing some things. And um, like I say, I, I think Simon Pegg gets all the best lines. Yeah. He's so funny in this. And this bit, uh, this bit, Nick Frost basically explains how it's not brave to drink water. What, what's, what's brave and courageous is to walk into a, a, a rugby club after after battling out with a load of guys with guys wearing war paint and walk in and order a tap water and everyone's ordering a beer and that happens later on at the end of the film when Simon Pegg's coming in with his sword and everything into that pub and he orders the water that's they're all wearing war paint and stuff in front, yeah that's in exactly what happens so again yeah. this constant for and this always happens in Edgar Wright films is constant foreshadowing and have you ever seen the way they write their scripts no I haven't how I, do they do that I remember watching it on the on a, I'm sure they did this for all of them on the Shaun of the Dead um, D, um, extra DVD extras is basically Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright sit in a room I don't know Nick Frost might be involved in, in, in it as well and they basically have a board with post-its and move things around and come up with ideas and then try and link them all and like so everything is like foreshadowed or for you know and mm. foretold and then and then it gets delivered on so everything feels like it's being kind of, it, it's chugging along but everything's referencing in the future in subtle ways and re it rewards rewatches and references and things like mm. that and this is why if you ever 
delve deep into like IMDb and look at trivia these ones go on forever like Sean oh, and these yeah because it's just like there's so many things to link to um, and that that's another one of those I'll, I'll call out a few more as we go through well like you say um, this film definitely seems like one that will be you know a fantastic option to like rewatch, um, which you can't say about many things you know but this let's see it sounds like it sounds like there's things that I next time I watch it you know, would would go. Oh, that's why yeah. they said that at the start of the movie, or that's why he did because you know, you know how, when you know how it's going to end. You know, you've got a different spin on it at that start. So yeah, I bet that would definitely um, be good a rewatch. And also, obviously, all of the pubs are a reference to what's going to happen in that pub. Did you notice that? Well, no, I didn't. So you've got well the end one. I, I, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sort of I could. Um, I could decipher that one. I mean, one's called like the Mermaid. Uh, one's what else have you got? Um, it's only the first one I I haven't written down. I think. Um, let me. Because the first few pubs they go into, like they're all um, they're all like well the same, aren't they? Yeah. They, the first one they go into, he says, "Oh, um, it's been like Starbucks, to, like you know, some chains taken over." And yeah. then the second one they go into, he's like exactly yeah, the same. He's been Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first one's called the First Post because it's the first place they go to. Yeah. Cool. Um, then it's the Old Familiar because it's exactly the same as the first one. <laughs> yeah. And you then, can see how this is going. And then it's the famous cock because Simon Pegg goes in there. It's the first time he gets recognised. Yeah. Oh, is that cock? You're barred. Get out. <laughs> and then it's the cross hands because basically the guys uh, and the the sign there is them a uh, five hands crossed over, um, and it's basically set, they all work together to fight yeah handsy um then it's the good companions um and that's because when they're approaching the four others are pissed off want to go home and he's just going no no let's go let's yeah. go and be happy so um and then there's the trusty servant which is when they bump into um their old dealer oh the, and, the he, tells, whatever, and he tells yeah. them about the ro- robots and they yeah. learn more about the robots then there's the two-headed dogs which is where the twins are yeah uh, then the mermaid where they get they get called in by the siren-esque women oh this is the nightclub yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then the beehive which is where all the robots come together like a hive um and then the king's head which is where gary gets a call to action says no i'm going on my own and becomes the king yeah um and then there's a hole in a wall where a car drives a hole into the wall <laughs> And then there's the world's end, which is the end of the world. That is amazing. Yeah. And like when you said about the post-it note thing a minute ago, you can so see that then yeah. that they've written all this down and then they've linked back. That is really good. Yeah, that good. is really cool. And like I say, to be honest, that completely like passed me by. But it's a sort of thing if I'd watched it again, even maybe without you saying, I'd go, "Hang on a minute, that's weird." Like you know, there was a few of them. You'd think that's odd. Like, yeah. They called it that. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's that's it's very clever. I that think. is cool. And and once you know it, you just follow it. And once you know that's the kind of thing they do, you're constantly looking looking, looking for, for other it. stuff. Yeah. I did notice on this for the first time that in every pub they go to, the number pub it is like one, two, three to twelve, um, it appears somewhere in that pub. So the first one, I think there's a there's a one on no no i noticed first and the second one there was a two prominent in the background on on a sign and there's a three on a table number i think right and then each one has the number somewhere yeah. along on the, which step it is along the way so again on a rewatch that would be fun to go can yeah. you see the numbers can you see where in that pub there's a number five or a number yeah. nine or whatever that's cool that is really cool so as you said these pubs have been um what they call starbucks i think um so the next pub the old familiar is very familiar to the first it looks exactly the same what i love that i just love his passion for it so they're all just like oh it looks the same and yeah. he's like this is brilliant yeah. like he's so passionate and he's so infectious and he walks in acting like um like these guys are going to recognize us and we're back you know it's good to be back and they just act like and this is where it can be read two ways as well either 
when they weren't robots, they wouldn't have recognised him. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have had memories of him. Yeah. Or they're not recognising because they're robots. Yeah. Um, so, but at this point, you're just thinking, well, he's a cock because he he thinks everyone's going to recognise him. It's the famous Gary's back, King Gary, uh, <laughs> the once and future king, um, <laughs> and uh, they just don't know who he is. But later on, when you rewatch it, you realise actually it might be because they're robots and they would recognise him. And all this fantasy that he has of being like. A, a big name in this town he might have been we, yeah we, and there's no way of knowing and the whole robot thing is taken that away yeah they don't ha- yeah, they yeah. don't have the memory which is a shame and uh yeah so basically it moves on and they, they don't recognize him. i found a, a very interesting fact deep into the trivia of this film is that the the land uh, landlord of the first pub and the landlord of the second pu- pub are cousins like the actors <laughs> right but they weren't cast because they knew they were cousins they were cast separately and bumped into each other. They hadn't seen each other for years. That is mental. And I said, oh, shit, how are you going? Yeah, they're, they're cousins. That yeah, is crazy. mental. The yeah. odds on that are so yeah. slim. And they're playing, like, the duplicates of each other because yeah. they're in the old familiar and the last it's and like the first It's like one post. could have been, like, a cop, one could have been a, a pub, you know, landlord, yeah. or whatever. That would have been a coincidence in itself. But to be playing the same character <laughs> in pub, yeah. that is mental. Yeah, that is good, absolutely mad. I love that fact. Um, so, yeah, the old familiar. Um, Paddy and... Who is it? Oh, pa- Paddy, Paddy and um, Simon Pegg argue over Freeman's sister, Sam. Yeah, because she's come down, isn't she? Yes. He, gets a, he gets a call on that, um, <laughs> that Bluetooth headset, which is, uh, yeah, the sign of any sort of knobhead, yeah. <laughs> as we discussed. And um, basically, his sister's going to come down, and um, she mentioned, like, she's going to be a bit late. She got lost on the freeway, more foreshadowing. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, little things like that. Um, Ring road, sorry, not Ring, freeway. I'm being yeah. very American. I was going to say, like, that lost on the Ring Road thing. I know they, they mentioned that later on as well. And it's like, it's just such a, like, British thing. Yeah. And what, what I love, like, throughout this movie, like, it's, it's, it's the, the humour and the phrases and the way they talk. It's just really British. They're un- unapologetically British because sometimes yeah. it can be sanitised in order for Americans and things to understand. Um, so they don't put too many colloquialisms in it and stuff like that. But this film is unapologetically British and has very in... You have to be British to understand them, you know? Yeah. And what I loved is that, you know, the pubs looked like the sort of pubs that, you know, we know. And so it just felt really familiar. Like, there's there's a point later in a pub garden and it looked like, you know, a real pub garden. And what I loved about this movie is when it goes a bit batshit crazy later, um, what I appreciated this time is I loved seeing the, the, like those crazy things happen in a in, in, a, in an area that I'm like, very familiar with do you yeah. know what I mean and you like like you said they didn't make it like Hollywood style or they didn't try to jazz it up for Americans it looked they the pubs looked like pubs yeah. and I, I really liked that about it it felt really grounded and I just thought that was great uh, yeah I agree mate 100% uh, next one as we said the famous cock um, they, they see Mad Basil as they call him um, he used to talk about UFOs and crazy conspiracies turns out he wasn't mad um, <laughs> but they are barred so they get chucked out uh, but Simon Pegg sinks some leftovers oh, left over on the table yeah. to make They're sure he gets his off, pint aren't yeah. they and he's like yeah he basically necks sort of three half done pints yeah, so just that, so he gets it I think that equals a basically a pint so at least he's going to make it yeah. um, that's what we used to call mind sweeping uh, did, you, did you used to call it mind sweeping um I've heard it called that before. Yeah, yeah minesweeping. Yeah. yeah. Okay, on nights, like um, people used to say, oh, "I can't come out tonight. I've got no money." And they were, "Why don't you just go minesweeping? <laughs> like just walking around, picking up other people's pints and drinking it." Oh fucking <laughs> hell! Like especially nowadays, like mm. the whole world's changed so much since we were yeah. kids. Like, could you imagine that now? Like, you just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, you, who knows what you could get? No chance. <laughs> 
um, next, they're, they're in the next pub and they they see uh, three girls that they recognise from when they were younger uh, from behind and they they called them a marmalade sandwich <laughs> because it was two blondes with a, with, a, with, a, with a redhead in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So they get quite excited about this, don't they? Because it looks like there's some sort of girls from their past. Yeah. And at this point as well, we got um, uh, Simon Pegg. He sort of like glances over to the youths who we've seen about three or four times in this film. Mm-hmm. And like he sort of looks at them almost like as if to say... Oh, I wish I was like you, or I wish us. I was, or yeah. or even I wish I was hanging around with you because yeah. he's. I think he's starting to get to the point now where he's thinking, oh, my mates are actually really boring. Yeah. Like you know, his. I feel really sorry for him because his passion is so high and he's so up for this pub crawl and his mates are just so down in the dumps and. You and know, they, was, they all pile on him in this uh, in this um, scene as well, don't they? For for not growing up, mm. and he goes off in a huff in a minute. But before that, um, they bump into Pete's old bully, don't they? Um, yeah. Um. So basically, he comes over, then he says, "Oh, can I have this chair?" And yeah. they give a. a sort of strange look don't they and um it turns out that that yeah like pete was bullied by this guy um sort of back in school and pete starts giving this like real heartfelt like speech doesn't he yeah. and then simon peg just goes shot oh, yeah <laughs> he somehow sneaked off and got yeah. shots and brought yeah brought them back in the time he told his bully story <laughs> Um, it's another quite funny word. Is it? Sorry, another quite funny bit is in a minute as well. When um, they say to Simon Pegg, they say, we're not your mates. We're just we're just enablers. And he goes, oh, that's a funny word, isn't it? Enabler. Gary and the na- Gary and the enablers. <laughs> That'd be a good name for a band. For yeah. our band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that um, I used to do when I was younger. And I still do a little bit now. Is I like, hear something and go, that'd be a good name for a band. I That'd still be- do it yeah. as well, mate, all it's, the time. I, lo- I love yeah. that. And again, that's the sort of thing that I just really like about this film, that they pick up on these small little... I don't know if that's just that's just a British thing or whether it is sort of you know international but I just love those little things that they put in there that just reminds me of like me growing up and yeah. you know my life and so I just think it, oh it's brilliant they put things like that in it and then one of the the main reasons that the Nick Frost character was persuaded to come is because Gary told him his mum had died of cancer um, and at this point he goes off in a huff because they're all piling on him for not growing up um, and his phone rings and it says mum and oh. Nick Frost picks up the phone and says what the fuck um, but cut to Simon Pegg he's in the toilets and Gary's obviously a bit pissed off at this point all his mates have been fucking flannels um, so he starts chatting to one of the teenagers who isn't giving him much of a res- response is he? <laughs> he's he's so keen to have a chat with him he's having a whiz isn't he and he's like oh you're right mate you know blah, 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 blah. and he's chatting away and you're right the, the teenager guy with the, the sort of He's sort of like a chav sort of character, isn't yeah. he? Do you know what I mean? Like he's got the hat on. He looks like he might be a bit of trouble. He's not saying anything, is he? He's just sort of straight faced. And the sort of character Gary is, he keeps talking to him and keeps talking to him, keeps talking to him, and um, eventually he gets no response from him, does he? And, and, yeah. and who grabs who actually at first? The kid grabs him to I, no, yeah. I think um, Simon Pegg kind of stops him from walking out or something. That's it. And this kid grabs sort of his arm, doesn't yeah. he? He's like strong. And they end up having a bit of a dust up to say the least um Look, did you notice how many wrestling moves are in this movie oh mate <laughs> i i again uh, reading through the trivia of this which i always read trivia and i think you're the same like when we watch a film we'll go back and read the trivia i heard someone explain and i'm sure this can't be right i'm sure it's not right that he did a rock bottom right <laughs> he did a rock bottom and they say the reason they chose the move the rock bottom is because this is where gary reaches rock bottom <laughs> like, no fuck no because later on someone choke slams that and that can't be right, surely. Well, I mean, my note, my note says, um, fight kicks off, and he rock bottoms the kid onto the urinal, and his head falls off. Yeah. But like using <laughs> that is the 
such a stretch like if anyone in the world had like like analyzed that and gone that is brilliant like yeah. just because oh fuck off I'm not having I that, wouldn't be surprised though no. knowing Edgar Wright I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> but come on because he's hit rock um, bottom but oh this bit's so amazing like, like, like we just said he rock bottoms this kid so Simon Pegg rock bottoms the kid his head smashes against the urinal and it comes flying off and it just like pops off doesn't yeah. it they've got like screw top <laughs> yeah. weird plastic and I love the way they've done that like because their heads are like ceramic-y aren't they when they smash yeah um, but they've got these like they're kind of like action man figure pop on heads. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, I don't know if you, I used to be quite a destructive uh, <laughs> kid when I was younger. I used to like chew my figures and pull their heads off. I wasn't a psychopath or anything. I d- didn't kill many people. Um, but when you pull off like a, a Barbie head or an action man head, they have these little buttons that you pop on to the, the kind of seal on and they looked exactly like that so they're basically like action figures walking yeah. around it's like almost like their heads are interchangeable they yeah. could go and take them one off and put one on someone yeah. else so they, they are well designed and I, I gotta say um the aliens throughout actually um i thought w- were really well designed and really effective with the the whole light in their eyes and the mouth and stuff later i thought they looked really good i think they're great and great they designs were, i think they were like the right mix between like creepy and a bit of a laugh. Um, yeah. I, I thought they were really, really well done. And then the other guys come in, basically, as as Gary's there with a headless teenager on the floor, blue blood everywhere, yeah. uh, to confront him. Um, and Nick Frost goes off on him, and all the other guys are just staring at this body on the floor going, what the fuck has happened? And Nick <laughs> Frost just doesn't seem to notice. Um, Did you notice some... Bournemouth got a little mention. Um, he, he, Nick Frost comes in and just says, I've just heard it from your mum in Bournemouth. And I was like, yeah. I didn't even notice that, <laughs> yeah. mate. And it, I've just thought maybe it's because I know Edgar Wright um, went to Bournemouth yeah. uh, Arts College, uh, mm. you know, university in Bournemouth. So maybe he thought, oh, I'd mention Bournemouth. Oh, so, amazing, yeah. Yeah, nice little call out. Don't know how I missed that. <laughs> um, uh, but although Gary's mates come in, so do the aliens. I say aliens, the robots or whatever they are. Yeah. Um, and there's a really, really fun fight scene. This is what I remember is... Uh, one of the scenes that they used to promo the film and you didn't know at that point that these these kids were uh, like robots or whatever you just saw these fun like fight moves and I really love the kind of move they do where they just go for the face with their hands mm. like in like a stiff arm gesture trying to grab the face it's not like what a human would fight like throwing punches and stuff like that yeah, they just go to grab the face and I, I assume they're they're trying to get DNA samples because it's mentioned earlier on any sort of touching lips yeah, or, or exactly, anything yeah. they're trying to get your DNA good good shout yeah so I don't know yeah whether that's supposed to be but I think uh, it's mostly shot in one continuous shot this yeah there are a few cuts I mean it, it's one of those ones where um, I think when when the camera moves quick they've probably had a, they've probably been able to put yeah. a, a stitch in there but this bit is really really good the, yeah. like the choreography you know for, for a film like this for a comedy and for a I don't know I just I was surprised at how good the fight scene was yeah. or the fight scenes because there's more coming later I was surprised at how good they were for a film like this I thought it was brilliant especially really Nick good. Frost looked like because like, he's a tank of a man anyway but he, he looked like he'd really ass. handle himself because he's, yeah. he's bigged up as like uh, the guy who used to um, like look after them when they were younger anyway he was a yeah. rugby player he was a tough guy and then in this you see him like just Booting the shit out of people, smashing At one point, them up. He um, later in the film he does a roll between the legs of the uh, modern art. That's right. And yeah. I, like I was just like, fair play, mate. Like yeah. I, I, that's a cool roll. I could <laughs> never get away with that. Yeah. And he, he's done well there. But basically, they kick ass. Like usually, in, uh, you'd expect a comedy film for them just to get their asses handed to them and accidentally somehow kill them. But they actually they work together and beat the shit out of them, except for one of them hiding. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's good. Yeah, the, he's hiding in the toilet, isn't he? Yeah, um, I love one of my. Sorry, that's all right. I don't, don't know if go you're for it, mate. The same line. I as reckon me. you say it. You say it. <laughs> Um, the uh, the Bluetooth headset guy says WTF, 
and then, and then Gary goes, "What the fuck does WTF mean?" <laughs> so good. It's really good. And also, I loved um, it, during this fight uh, when you've got um, Simon Pegg. He's ripped off the arm of one of the the robots, and he's using these arms to smash up their heads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like if the, if this had been like if it had been red blood, it'd been yeah. so gory. But the fact it's blue, it just looks hilarious, yeah. you know. And there's a good bit in like a couple of minutes' time, isn't there, where Simon Pegg's like, "We've got blood all over our hands," and they're like, "No, nah, they're just blue, mate." Yeah. <laughs> there's just limbs flying everywhere. It's so, like it's such a creative uh, original fight scene. I mm. really really enjoyed it. Um, what I did think at the time, and I. I'm not sure whether I've missed it or not. Did anyone at any point say you've got blue on you? Because um, that's a famous famous line from Shaun of the Dead. You got red on you when he's got like uh, ink. No, they, I mean oh. they do call out the blue on the hands. Yeah. I don't know if he'd said it like that. But I don't maybe. know if it's too obvious, but I would have liked that line in there. You got blue on you because they say it in in uh, Shaun of the Dead. You got red. Would have been you. another yeah. sort of link reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just thought I'm sure. I've, I thought I thought to myself at the time, I'm sure this is going to come up, but I'm, I didn't notice it. Um, but yeah, all fun. Really like that. And basically, they talk about it's it. It's, Gary talks about it's not us that's changed, it's the town. Um, so the town has changed, and that's why they're not known or famous, or you know, it's not as fun anymore. Mm. Uh, but on to the next pub anyway. They've just slaughtered some teenagers in the toilet. <laughs> and we actually get Nick Frost at this point. He sort of just says, fuck it, doesn't he? Yeah. And he, he boxes all five of them shots. Bang, 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 bang. He's up for this now. He's yeah. up for the, the sort of fight. Because the, the, what they're sort of doing now is that... Simon Pegg encourages them to instead of running away from these like robots or whatever he says we need to carry on and act normal so let's carry on with the the you know the 12 pub the golden mile that's the plan isn't it off to the trusty servant yeah that's it <laughs> and uh, at the trusty servant as I mentioned earlier they, uh, they bump into their old drug dealer um, oh the Reverend Green yeah <laughs> yeah it's good and and uh, he explains a little bit, doesn't he? Or, or kind of suggests a few bits. I love it when Simon Pegg says, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to, I'm not going to ask for drugs. I'm going to, they're like, no, they say, you're just going to go and get drugs off him. He goes, no, 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 no. no. I'm going to find out what's going on with these robots and maybe get some drugs. Yeah. And then he goes, don't worry, I've got a secret really sly way of like, we've we got a code so I know it. And he goes up to the bar, doesn't he? And he just goes, the secret code, he just walks up to him and goes, do you have any drugs? <laughs> That's the whole thing. And the guy explains, doesn't he? He goes, oh, nah, don't I don't do, that, do that anymore. anymore. You know, Because yeah. like everyone in this film, they've all grown up apart from Simon Pegg. And he sort of looks at him and says, look, I, I don't do sort of that anymore. And he explains a little bit about the, the backstory of these robots, doesn't he? He certainly does. And uh, we, we swiftly move on. Basically, there's a couple of guys next to the Reverend there who... Uh, uh, suggesting he shouldn't be talking about what he's talking Reece, about. Uh, Shearsmith, yeah, he does money, turn up. Which is a, say, a cool inside cameo. number nine, legend and yeah. League of Gentlemen. Um, so yeah, that happens. And they move on to the two-headed dog. Um, and at this one, the landlord is weirdly nice. Mm. He's and, he's exactly how Simon Pegg wanted the first landlord to be. He yeah. was well up for it. In fact, he almost said the same speech that Simon Pegg gave in the first place. Yeah, he? word for word. Yeah. And uh, so it looks like either the robots are passing on information to make them feel less suspicious or that maybe that landlord does remember them but um gary tries uh, warning sam at this point she takes her to the disabled uh, i love that line <laughs> later on we'll always have the disabled it's yeah. a casablanca thing we'll always have what's it we'll always have it's a famous line oh and they've just changed it slightly to be yeah. that's amazing we'll always have Paris. Okay. So yeah, in we'll Casablanca, it's, a, it's one of the most famous lines. We'll always have Paris, and this one's we'll always have the disabled. Like that, it's good. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, he takes her in there again. Also, he says to her in here, which I thought was a nice reference. Um, you gave me the sign last time. 
Uh, oh, you the, gave me what, the, yeah, to take her in the toilet to take her in the toilet and do me in the, in the t- disabled again and when she walks off in a huff later on she throws the disabled sign at him so she literally gives him the sign yeah um, so all these the out things, of order yeah yeah the yeah. out of order sign so it's now she's given the sign that he's been out of order yeah um, so yeah all that stuff is, is cool um, but he tries warning her the town's been taken over by robots she thinks he's just off his face uh, she jokes about it with the twins out in the beer garden very much a, a realistic beer garden as you said earlier yeah but it's like it wasn't a beer garden like packed with people. It looks like how a beer garden is. Often Where people on, go out for a smoke. Yeah, yeah. And like and it looked like just a beer garden on like a Wednesday night. Like yeah. it was like quiet. There was no one else there. It was quiet. It, it was I don't know. It just that's what I really liked about this film it was authentic. Um, yeah. And basically, you've got um, Sam talking to these twins saying, "Oh bloody hell, I've just had Gary in the toilet. He's such a prick." Blah 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 blah. And these twins, we know, you know that they're uh, they're robots and they're they, acting odd, aren't they? They talk in unison. Like I yeah. don't know how she didn't realise before no. that they weren't robots. They talk yeah. in unison. Ask her questions in unison um but obviously they then start to attack her but gary uh basically jumps on him doesn't he yeah it is great he um he has a fight with both of them and then um he basically like spears both of them through for a fence which yeah. is just a great little setup it's really cool uh rips heads off yeah um and you've even got Paddy Constantine comes out to get involved, doesn't he? Um, he comes and fights them as well because I think they come out to life at one point, yeah. and then like you know they have to sort of fight them for a second time. Yeah, because she comes back as basically a dog with like legs as arms. <laughs> oh yeah, she so sort of puts yeah. on like those other. Yeah, that's it. She's got four legs. Yeah, so it's two headed dog. Yeah, but it didn't yeah, to, yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, but then um, the, one one of my favourite kind of physical comedy moments in the film came up next, where they're leaving, trying to get out of there. And um, <laughs> Frost, uh, Nick Frost just puts in the door. Yeah, he's going to push the door over, just smashes through the door and just goes, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just casually fucking carries on. Yeah. Oh, it. that is brilliant. It, it looks like a moment, and I'm not sure whether it is, that happened at, on set and they just thought, keep it. It looks hilarious. Roll with it. Because he just smashes his hand through yeah. and goes, fuck it. And he's really pissed because he's just done all those shots. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's playing catch up, as we used to say. Yeah. Um, now on to the mermaid. And uh, this is like banging club, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's a school night, as well uh, as, when I say school night they're all dressed as school old kids, school night yeah, yeah we're, they're all like Britney Spears costumes and yeah. all that lot and um, they see the old uh, marmalade sandwich in there don't they that's so, right and I, I can stage. see now this whole mermaid thing because yeah. exactly like you, you, you explained like you know how mermaids used to like get sailors from the sea to like their rock and like the sort of sirens, in. Yeah. same sort of thing they basically tempting the lads to sort of like draw them in aren't mm-hmm. they and, to get um, some DNA samples to get some DNA samples but basically they just think there's some hot girls yeah. like sort of after them don't they so they're dancing away and at the same time Steve gets dragged into the cloakroom by Basil, Mad Basil. Yeah. Um, and he tells him everything, basically. Um, and I love that bit. As you say, they're, they're flirting and dancing with these girls and kissing them. And uh, Nick Frost holds up his wedding ring. I can't. I'm married. Oh. And she just slips his finger in her mouth and sucks off his wedding ring. <laughs> yeah. I was and like, swallows it. It's gone. I was like, fucking hell. What, what a way to fucking dismay someone. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> oh, man. And- Basically, Basil explains, doesn't he, to Paddy how um, these aliens or robots, they, well, they're sort of both, aren't they? Uh, they're not actually up for, like, killing the human race. They, To be honest, this this whole thread, it, like, it's a little bit complicated. Do you know what I mean? I didn't quite get it. But from what I gathered, the way Basil explained it, they've come down, they want to be mates with all humans, and what happens is if someone doesn't want to comply with what they want to do then they basically replace you mm. um, and that's pretty much the you know the nuts and bolts of it at this point you don't know what they're going to do with the replace lot and what know? happens with the empties I love the fact they call the old humans the empties just yeah. like glasses in the pub uh, and they're going to be 
made as a fertilizer yeah exactly (laughs) but yeah effectively what they're trying to look for is a more harmonious world and and uh, it turns out earth is on the lowest pecking order of of the shittest most uncivilized planets um (laughs) and they're basically trying to integrate the network as they're called Mm -hmm. um, and try and make it a more harmonious place to live yeah in their eyes anyway Uh, but that means like the humanity side of things has lost somewhat but is that a good thing or bad thing um so discuss it's interesting yeah absolutely we're not discussing it but please discuss (laughs) yeah um so then they go off to the beehive don't they off to the beehive indeed and like you said again i I didn't notice at the time but this is because it's foreshadowing that you know these these robots are going to be surrounding them at some point like yeah. a swarm of bees. And at this point, Piers Brosnan could probably be seen as the queen bee. Um, uh, he's got pints already lined up for them, which is nice. And one of them's a water, I see. So it's obviously he's getting his information from the first pub. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Freeman is also acting a bit weird at this point, isn't he? Uh, he they're a bit slips. suspicious. He makes a slip as well, doesn't he? Um, yeah. He says, come on, come on, you know, we can't start it without you. And he's like, what? He goes, no, we can't... St- start without you yeah um and so it, again you start getting the, the feeling that might there's a bit more to martin freeman than meets the eye maybe he's been uh you know maybe he is a um because they call him a blank don't they yeah <laughs> maybe he's a blank yeah he is a blank and uh, obviously the blank dna sample they got from him included the birthmark that he's since had removed um that was clever that was a clever yeah. touch and it was, it was a, like a, a real nice sort of organic way for you know, to show that he had been turned into a blank. I thought yeah. that was clever. But Pierce Brosnan basically gives us the villain speech, villain speech, well, maybe villain, maybe not, about why they should join them and, you know, let it be. Uh, but Nick Frost has had a few shots <laughs> and a couple of waters, and he picks up a bar stool and smashes it through Fre- Fre- Freeman's head. Oh, uh, this is bar fight is so good. Such um, a great effect as well. These, um, so you've got, and you've got, you've got Nick Frost picking up two bar stools and like proper old school bar stools yeah. getting a real old pub and it's just great they're like huge boxing gloves they're like Hulk hands just, that you get you know yeah. those toys they're like yeah. Hulk hands <laughs> this is just so cool you know it's just this is one of the things like you'd be sitting in the pub with your mates and you'd go oh that'd be funny if you if like they'd be really cool as weapons weren't they and yeah. it's like they've done that in this film like, yeah. it's just really cool good fight um yeah, and then all the robots start like shining lights out their eyes and mouths, as you mentioned earlier. Mm. Really cool design. Um, and yeah, he's throwing these bar stools around on his fist. Um, Gary, I like the Gary section of this where he's trying to keep his pint in hand while Brilliant. fighting off robots. Again, the, like, the choreography is so yeah. clever. You know, he's he's fighting, fighting, trying to neck his pint. Someone will come in, he punches that person, he can finally have a sip, smash there. It's just, it's really, really clever. And, and then there's comedy it. in it as well, where like there's a reference to, to music again, where he goes to Nick Frost. Uh, twist the melon man twist the melon man yeah I thought it was a great great moment Um, it's just fun swinging off chandeliers pint in hand try not to spill it Uh, so good so good Um, I've I've put here as well um, I put in capitals I put I was waiting for Nick Frost to like come alive like you, like from what he's been like in the first two movies you know that I know they're not like sequels but like you know he's he's a lot of fun in the first two films and up to this point he's basically a big pain in the ass isn't yeah. he and um it's just nice to see him come alive now he's mm. pissed he's put his hand through that door he's had the bar stools and now it's like yes we've yeah. got the they've got the Nick Frost I love now he's coming out it's I love how his dynamic change their dynamic between Nick and Simon um in in the films uh, first name terms um, across the mm. three films changes because in the first one obviously Nick, Nick Frost plays like a lazy schlubby yeah well, I mean they're both lazy schlubby but, but but Nick uh, Simon Pegg's more of the straight guy yeah and he's got like a job and he's more like you know more presentable whereas Nick yeah. Frost is like a bit of a slob really isn't yeah. he and the second one like 
Nick Frost is efficient and, and professional and he's not lazy. Uh, Simon Pegg, sorry. Simon Pegg. Simon and, Nick Pegg Frost, is, and Nick Frost is a... He's stepped up. He's got a job. He's a yeah, cop, but he's, he's, he's like a child. He's very he? cool, childish. Yeah. Yeah. And in this one, now, Nick Frost is professional, boring, um, yeah, a, a bit miserable. And then Simon Pegg is a bit, you know, a uh, teenager still, uh, wild card, depressed so they're not always the straight guy and the and the yeah. and the wild card are they i think that is um is testament to like what great actors and writers uh, and, and yeah, yeah i think it would have been easy to like have them as the same sort of characters all the way through it's a little bit like we we're saying earlier ryan reynolds you know he unfortunately he seems like he's constantly playing the same sort of part yeah. these two you know in these three films have mixed up a lot and like I've enjoyed each film and I've enjoyed their characters in each film all six characters if you add all them up you know so I think that's testament to like what creative people they all are yeah um, now we get the we'll always have the disabled section where he's helping Sam escape she gets into a car and drives off uh, we get the third and final fence gag uh, that we've had in each film where he tries to jump over he tr- jumps yeah. over the fence in this one you say yeah straight through and bosh yeah. he'll fall over the yeah um, obviously we've seen that in each one of the Cornetto trilogy um you knew they were called Cornetto Trilogy. I yeah. did, yeah. Just for people at home that don't know, I think everybody knows this, but they're called the Cornetto Trilogy. Cornetto appears in each one of these films. And I'm right in saying it is always a different flavour, yeah? Different flavour, and it's it's relative what film it is. So the first one's the strawberry one, because it's red for blood. Oh, um, that's interesting. I didn't know this. The second one's blue, I believe, for, you know, Finn Blue oh, Line. for the police. police. And this was a mint one, I a, know. A green one, green. because it's like aliens and, ah. and sci-fi, yeah. Okay. That is brilliant. Like yeah. I knew it was Cornetto trilogy, but again, just to even have the colours. Expl- it's, I mean, there's so much going on in these yeah. films um, in a good way. The, the three, the three flavours Cornetto trilogy, um, also known as the Cornetto trilogy or the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. That's it. Blood and ice. The cream Blood trilogy. and Ice Cream. Yeah. Well, I noticed the other day on on TV. It wasn't called the Cornetto trilogy, and I just thought to myself, "Oh, it's probably because they're not allowed to say Cornetto, so yeah. they called it the Three Flavors trilogy." Uh, you know, yeah, so yeah. I imagine they weren't allowed to say Cornetto. But brilliant for Cornetto! I mean, I bet oh, I bet yeah. Wolves were like, yeah. "Yeah, crack on! That's yeah. great." Oh, I, I, I just I just remember the, the in Shaun of the Dead, he's, I, I I used to say it all the time. There's one line that I always quoted. He's lying on the sofa, and he goes, "Do you want anything from the shop, mate?" And he goes. Cornetto. <laughs> <laughs> like his face like squashed up, hung over. Cornetto. And we used to do it all the time. Like, I want anything from the shop, mate. Cornetto. <laughs> it was a gag right. you always yeah. went to. Yeah. Nice. Um, now, the three of the guys meet up in the Bowles house. Yeah. And so this is where they um, they went to back in 1990 and sort of had a spliff or whatever. Yeah. And this is where they go to hide, uh, you know, in the present day from all these, um, these robots, isn't it? Um, oh, again, I really like this bit. It's so good. Where... They they're all questioning each other now. They're basically saying, "How do we know you're not one of them? How do we know you're not one of them?" It's like so, reservoir dogs. Yeah, and yeah, very much so. Yeah. So they have to basically show each other's um, wounds that they had, say, from you know, from their past, to prove that because these 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 robots, these aliens, they're they're made like perfect, aren't they? Mm. So you wouldn't have the, your old scars and your old war wounds and. Um, yeah, it's just well funny seeing them like like basically one gets his ass out doesn't he and one gets his like leg out etc and then they ask Simon Pegg to do it don't they and he, and he refuses he, to he won't want to do it I, to be honest I didn't really quite I didn't understand why he didn't want to do it why he was like no just trust me give me my word why don't you just get it out mate it's because later on we realise that he slit his wrists Oh, I so see. He, he, he was had, embarrassed to yeah, say, like... He had bandages on his wrist, because when they're tussling in the pub later on, yeah. he rips his sleeve back, and he's got bandages over his wrist, because oh, he's, he's trying to commit suicide. Yeah, because he mentioned he's been in, like, a... 
sounds like some sort of institution or yeah. something for like mental illness and stuff so gotcha right. that's why so uh, you kind of get that inkling at that point why is he being shady about it and that's exactly why right uh, that makes sense uh, it does pay off later on um then they uh kind of run away because the aliens are approaching um and then peter kills the bully yeah, Peter kills the bully, but he actually gets taken by. Um, they basically get swarmed yeah. by the rest of them. The cop, he comes back with all the lights. Again, I think that's such an effective um, uh, look for these aliens because obviously, on, on the, the backdrop of having it all dark and at night, they just look creepy yeah. and, and interesting and really sci fi. These mm. blue lights come out of their eyes and their mouth. They're really good. Yeah. And he gets taken on. Yeah, you're right. He gets uh, kidnapped. So now we're down to three of them. You've only got Simon Pegleff, Paddy Constantine, and, and Nick Frost running around, haven't we? Yeah, and. Uh, you see that massive um, Cyclops kind of modern art robot walking around. Yeah. And I, I heard that it's um, it might be a reference to a Queen album cover, you know, because both Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are, are, uh, are fans of, uh, I think it's News of the World, I think it is. I'm just going to have a look at the album cover. It doesn't look much like it, but I, I heard one of the trivia... Oh yeah, I can see. It looks like there's an iron giant, doesn't it? Yeah, like it's the... not really like it at all. No. But you see, you know that network symbol, like it's the like I think it's five slots. Yeah. Um, that that appears in loads of parts of the film as well. Oh, um, again. Yeah. Predicting sort of like what we're exactly, going to see a bit yeah, later. It's everywhere. But yeah, gotcha. I, I don't see that reference. I read that as a bit of trivia, and I, I don't see that at all. It doesn't look like it at all. It's more angular, isn't it? That's more rounded. Yeah. Probably the same person who wrote the rock bottom bit. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Tenuous references. Um, uh, the, so yeah, we see that me- weird robot thing. Um, Gary runs off to the finish the Golden Mile. He yeah. wants to do it himself. So at this point, they're at the tenth pub I wrote down, and yeah. I put Gary has a cheeky part. He just can't. He just can't help but do it, does <laughs> yeah. he? Um, and basically, at this point, he wants to finish the Golden Mile. He feels like he's got nothing else left in his life, and he throws Nick Frost and Paddy Constantine the keys, doesn't he? And, just, yeah. and, he, and he, he sort of he tries to save them by running out into the street. Everyone, all their baddies are going to be following. Simon Pegg and he's basically sacrificed himself to save his mates and he wants to finish the last two pubs so yeah, exactly. fair play to him I love I love a bit in a minute where uh, Andy punches that redhead girl that sucked his ring off and and pulls the reading ring from inside her absolutely brilliant like I said that's so cool smashing her in the stomach yeah. and then pulling it out like that is brilliant I loved it he also chokeslams Gary I wonder whether that's because at this point he was really choked up you know um, I think that's what they're <laughs> trying to say yeah and he and he'd done a few slammers earlier so maybe that's what the reference is, just like the rock bottom where Gary had hit earlier. <laughs> rock bottom. It must be a reference of some sort. Um, or maybe it's because Big Show used to do uh, the Chuck Sham, and this is a big show, um, or he's going to need an undertaker because he's going to die or something, I don't know. <laughs> or they're going to get caned. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they all do Chuck Slams. So it must be a reference because it's there. Um, and then, the, yeah, that's the 11th pub, isn't it? And yep. this is where uh, Gary kind of he has to finish it he has to finish it he finds out that he slit his wrists they have a car drive through the hole in the wall it's all it's all going manic at this point they're basically running down these pubs as fast as as possible um and they get to the world's end sorry mate i'll just get to the what I do is I delete everything I've right. gone through. Sorry, two secs. And he's trying. He's trying to basically have his his last pint in the world's end, doesn't he? They've had yeah. this big fight, and he pulls a beer punt 
and that's like the switch, isn't it? Yeah. To like the it turned into like a some sort of big like chamber. Yeah. And it's sort of like it starts lowering down. Yeah, like it? an elevator kind of going down into the yeah. depths of the earth. Um, and was this Bill Nye's voice? Yeah, yeah. So I I wrote it down as Bill Nye, and then I watched the credits, and his name popped yeah, up. Good, so good. Yeah, I thought it was recognizable because it kind of morphs a bit and sounds like other people at different points. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, good voice performance. He's like there. the voice of the network, and yeah. so basically the, the, this lift sort of goes all the way down to the bottom, and then like Dan said, you've got Bill Nye's voice, you've got this um, this floating. Uh, entity thing which is like the network and he basically explains doesn't he about how like you said earth is really uncivilized and you know the aliens want to come and make us more civilized and you know this was very hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy for me do you do you do you you like hitchhiker's guide no never um I mean, I, I know a bloke in a Jessica guy and gets on a spaceship and flies across, but I yeah. don't know too much about it. There's like aspects of like the the mundanity and kind of red tape of intergalactic relations, and and like Earth's getting demolished because they want to do a new route through the solar system or whatever. <laughs> I love that. And it's it's very much like that. And and it, yeah, it's it, your oh no, your planet's set for uh, demolition. And, <laughs> and it's it's very much like that. Where they are, oh, we just come down to do a bit of admin and make sure you guys are working in harmony or whatever. Um, so I like. That and there's obviously Martin Freeman's in in the more recent um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and so is Bill Nye, I believe. I mean, most British actors I think appear in in Hitchhiker's Guide at some point (laughs) because most British actors appear in most British films. I think as (laughs) most successful British films. I don't mean there there is like a sort of pool that seemed to be in all of them, really, isn't there? You're absolutely right. If you take this film, for example. You could probably get to any British film <laughs> like, <laughs> as a connection. So yeah. uh, there's such a pool of, of people in it. Um, but basically, in order to tempt Gary, uh, the, the the once and future king, uh, to come away from humanity and join this kind of network, they present him with this uh, this this recreation of his teenage self which is exactly what he wants to be and mm. um, so they're playing to what he's he trying said, to recreate you can be young forever yeah. you can you know constantly live your like your, your 20s like you know and th- as we know from getting to know gary this is like his absolute dream isn't it so obviously yeah. the audience are thinking oh no i wonder if gary will take the bait and it nah does he yeah rips his head off so fair play gary he then gets a lecture uh from the big network guy and then another one of my favorite lines he mm. goes Oh fuck off, you big lamp! <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. And he's so stubborn about not liking this alien plan, isn't he? That Bill Nye basically goes, "Oh, fuck uh, it. he's belligerent yeah. and he's refusing. Like he, he's he never be it. wrong." Um, and I think Nick Frost says something. He's, he might be a fucking prick, but he's my prick. And he goes, "Oh, thanks." Uh, and and uh, uh, but basically, the, he pisses off this AI network thing so much that he just fucks off. He's like, "All right, fuck it, have your own way, you belligerent yeah. prick." Basically, uh, we, they say, don't they? Um, we are human. We're the human race, and we don't like to be told what to yeah. do. Like we, you know, and like he sticks to his guns. And <laughs> Paddy Considine at that point goes, "Yeah, stop starbucking us, man." <laughs> love it. <laughs> his pipes up from the back. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, so I love the fact that the reason Gary's a prick throughout this, and the reason that the aliens give up is because he's being such a prick. <laughs> um, so <laughs> like, saves a day really by being it? a prick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, San saves them, doesn't she? Because she uh, the, the, this causes some huge explosion. All the robots fuck off. Um, they're escaping, 
and Sam turns up um, and they say, oh, you came back for us. And she just goes, no, I just got lost on the ring road. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Amazing. They bundle in the car, don't they? And they basically yeah. got to get the hell out of there because there's an explosion that's emanating from the world's end. But yeah. it's, it's big. It's like town-wide. And as we find out in a few minutes, it's like it's like country-wide or worldwide. Mm. It's really, really big explosion. They absolutely bomb it and they get to the safest place, which is the hill where they went in 1990 after their big night out, didn't they? And they sit on the hill and they watch the whole town. Fields. Yeah, amazing. And I guess, a, I didn't notice, but smash through that sign. Yeah, they the smash world. through it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. All, again, all, all um, preempt, preempted. Uh, so basically, electricity is wiped out throughout the world. Um, the town is wiped off the map. So this, uh, yeah, it all comes back to trauma for Gary because he wanted to recreate his life in that town. Now that town's wiped out. That town's wiped out. All the memories of of that town. His friends are dying around him, and they basically go back to the the dark ages. And yeah. you, you see Nick Frost. He's like uh, explaining to like a group of trams, isn't he? Like, you know, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, and he explains how. What I like is that some of the other guys are still doing like a similar sort of role, like a similar sort of job, but just in a post-apocalyptic yeah. world, like still trying to sell houses and stuff. Did you notice his glasses as well? A combination of, two one of his glasses. mates' glasses and his. Yeah, yeah I noticed yeah. they were two glasses put together. But yeah. it's good shout. Yeah. One of his mates and one of his. Um, and so we're seeing what these sort of characters are up to, aren't we? But we don't see what Gary's up to yet. Is not it? yet. No. no. Not until after we see. The Cornetto blow up against the fence. Yeah, so you get it in there just at the end. Yeah, um, and then it cuts to this pub. Um, what's the pub called again? I can't remember. I remember it's got a sign outside, and the sign says "No." Is it no blanks? Yeah, yeah, um, and it, it's almost a bit like um, there's sort of like two types of people on this post-apocalyptic world. There's normal human beings and there's blanks and it seems like the humans are very anti-blank and so this pub um, is full of skinhead big rugby player type play- people yeah. um, like you said earlier with face paint on and it specifically says no blanks and then um, we get a, 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 a guy rock up there with a bandana and a hat and a black trench coat with his gang of blanks and you think ah oh, could this be um, could this be Gary the one true king the one true king yeah and th- this is pure reference of Return of the King in Lord of the Rings the pose he does at the end oh amazing yeah with that sword yeah it's exactly the same pose from the poster of and from the film oh Aragorn uh, yeah Aragorn, exactly um, so he asks for five waters and says they call me the king and uh Boom, free frame and a movie. Yeah. So, I mean, what an ending. Like, for oh, it to crazy. be a post-apocalyptic ending. Yeah. And um, I don't know, just it just... You wouldn't have predicted that from the first few minutes. No. It really does take you on a big journey, this film. So, yeah, I, re- I, I really... Yeah, I, I, I really think there's a lot to read into it. Um, and uh, I, the, the ending hurtles along a bit i think it, it comes it comes quick at you uh but before i talk more about that do you want to tell us uh what you think overall about this film mate yeah pleasure um so basically to sort of sum it up i wrote, I wrote one little note at the very end because by the end of watching this movie i was buzzing i really was buzzing i was in such a good mood and i put at the end brilliant right i really liked this film mm. i liked it a lot um the first time i watched it because i didn't really know this whole sci-fi thing was going to kick off it did come as a bit of a shock and so I wasn't sort of prepared for it and I didn't quite like it before. I thought, oh, yeah. It's... Anyway, that was the old me. That was 2014, 15, whatever. I've, you know, I've grown up, I've changed. I was expecting it now. This time, I liked it a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I thought the script was amazing, like absolutely amazing. It made me laugh, a lot, you know, 
multiple times I was, I was really giggling there's so many I'd love to remember half the lines because I'd love to quote them and I just I want to watch it again just to learn these lines because it just, it just some of them are just so funny mm. um, I thought Simon Pegg um, although he was he was the main character he was brilliant like he was just so watchable so charismatic um, and I've, I just think he played it so well you know he was an absolute loser but a loser that I really felt like a connection with and I liked and this film just hurtled along and I really liked every moment. Um, I thought it was it, it was great. Um, the only negatives I would say is that I think the whole um, the whole motive of the aliens is a little bit complicated, confusing. I don't know. I didn't really care much for that whole motive, you know. So that confused me a little bit. Um, I thought the other characters, other than Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, were like, they all sort of merged into one. I think they maybe could have made them a little bit more interesting. They were just mm. all the same person. They were just all in suits and they're all like, hating and hating and ragging on, on Simon Pegg. But they were the only two little quibbles I had. Overall, I really liked it. I would give this film an 8 out of 10. And um, I don't say this about many films. I'll be keen to just watch it again, like, soon. Mm. Because I... Like at the end, I was literally smiling. I was yeah. I watched it on my own and I was smiling. And any movie that does that is um is brilliant. You know, it really is. So I um I had a great time with this film. What about you, mate? Yeah, well, I, I said earlier this uh, changed my opinion on this film um uh, quite a bit actually because when I first saw it, I was I was a little bit let down. I was a bit deflated after seeing it at the cinema, and uh, I, I just felt like it didn't it didn't hit as hard as the other two um now what i would say firstly is edgar wright i think the one thing that stands him apart most directors and specifically most british directors is he directs like a hollywood director um he's bombastic and over the top and stylized he's got his you recognize an edgar wright film um, but also he he has heart every one of his films um so far especially in this trilogy has a lot of heart Shaun of the dead has some genuinely sad parts in it um and some some really heartwarming parts in it and hot fuzz i just think is just it's like a warm bath for me watching that film and i felt that a lot more in this on this watching than i did my first watching and i think part of that has to do with expectations like you said i was expecting something different or i didn't know what i was expecting the first time i watched this and having gone into it this time knowing what was coming i just enjoyed it so so much um i also think being of a similar age uh slightly younger than the, the characters uh that are, uh, are depicted in this film i understand some of the characters motivations i understand and recognize a few of the characters as well i know a couple of people like uh, gary king who still live back then and try and act the way we did back then and although it's sometimes sad and <laughs> some of them are my mates um it's sometimes sad but it's also uh, quite lovable and, and it's good to know that people really enjoyed those times um but th i think that added another layer of warmth for me and and it, the 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 nostalgia of the whole thing people looking back and people moving on certain people moving on with their lives and evolving and other people being stuck at a certain point in their lives um it's a very midlife crisis film um and i'm sure that's what they discussed quite a lot between them when when writing it um but above and beyond everything else it's an action sci-fi horror film and the action is great the, the sci-fi horror kind of stuff is great but the comedy—it's the comedy aspect of it—is fucking brilliant in this film. I—I uh, I really, really enjoyed it so much more than my first watching. I actually think I prefer it to Shaun of the Dead now. 
Wow. So I would think. you? I, I need rank... to re. I need to revisit yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Uh, so I would rank Hot Fuzz as my favourite. This second, maybe Shaun of the Dead. I need to revisit. Like I said, I haven't seen yeah. it in a while. Um, but really, really good. And I'm now thinking of this as one of the, my favourite trilogies of all time. Because uh, if you think about it in the, in that context, they are they're all bangers. There's not a dud there. I don't think. No, you're right, and that doesn't usually happen. I mean, in all no. trilogies, there's always usually a, a bit of a low, not a low point, but it's often one yeah. that's a bit. Mm, this you're right. The quality is high. Incredible. They've done a great job. Yeah. Um, so I scored it an eight out of ten. An eight out of ten. Yeah. So spot on. And I'm glad you loved it. You know, and basically I was watching this thinking I'm sure Dan is going to love this because it's just how could you not? You know. And I'm uh, surprised I didn't love it more when I first watched it, but I, I do think there's just too many expectations going into it. Yeah. About what it was going to be. Yeah. I think you with the expectations, me with the not expecting uh, the the change in like tone. You know, I think that probably just hurt it for both of us before. And I'm so glad that I picked this movie. We've watched it again because I think it's a bit of a tragedy that I used to go around going, yeah, I don't really like it. I don't yeah. really like it because now I think, fucking hell, I was wrong on that. You know, I think you're right about the one-liners as well. There's so many one-liners in this. So good. And, Great big and fucking land. The, I think the hardest thing to do, uh, more hard than horror, more hard than sci-fi, it is comedy. Oh, yeah, is, do you know what I mean? And so, I f- like, you know, to make me laugh, it does take quite a lot. Mm. And this really made me laugh. And so... Brilliant, absolutely good. Brilliant. I'm glad you enjoyed it, mate. Um, really enjoyed it. Well, um, I've got um, a simple little game for you, mate. Um, so it basically, um, it's a format that we've done before. Um, it will involve you just making a couple of notes. Basically, um, it's all to do with pubs. Um, I thought because this film, you know, revolves around uh, the Golden Mile um, and, and and pubs and lots of different sort of like pub names, etc. I thought what I'll do is I've got a few pub. Uh, names for you from famous films um, most of them you would have heard of maybe one or two might, you might not immediately have heard of but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a number of films and all I want you to do is try and match the, the pub to the film so the, or the pub or the bar or the calf which film did it appear in so what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll, I'll read out the pubs first to make it a tiny bit harder what I did is I've written down five pubs but six films okay. so one of them doesn't have a pub that appears in this list, if that makes sense. So, I'll read them out to you. So, the first one is the Titty Twister. <laughs> um, the second one is the Basement Taverna. So, mm-hmm. the Basement Taverna. Um, the third one is uh, Bob's Country Bunker. Yeah. Um, number four is Rick's Calf, or it can be shortened just to Rick's. Mm-hmm. And the last one is Jack Rabbit Slim's. So I'm going to give you the films. Um, by the way, we've got two rounds of this. So this is the first round and we've got a second one. So the the six films, so five of these linked to it and one's the odd one out. Do you want me to call them out while you do them? Or? Um, well, I'll tell you what. Off, I'll read them out. Read them out. Read them out. So yeah. what you've got, uh, the films you've got are in no particular order. So Casablanca. Yeah. Which you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one you've got is Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah. The third movie is Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. And as we're doing this, obviously people at home, you know, you guys can sort of pause this and you can, you know, see how much you, you know yourself about famous movie establishments and things. Yeah. Um, the fourth uh, film we've got is The Blues Brothers. Yeah. Number five is Baby Driver. <laughs> yeah. And finally, we've got Pulp Fiction. Okay. So there are six films. We've got five... Um, Pretty Tarantino heavy in there, mate. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so um, do you want to try and match them up then, Dan? Where would you go first? Yeah. Any... Obvious one, Titty Twister. Yeah. 
Dust Till Dawn. Boom. So I'm going to get rid of that. You've got that spot on, mate. Dust Till Dawn, Titty Twister. So we're down to four pubs. Next one, Basement Taverna. I'm pretty sure is in Glorious Bastards is where they have the little German-speaking dialogue uh, caught out bit. Absolutely Fast spot bender. on. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, um, although it's a film I love, I didn't know the name of that place, but I remember it being, like, downstairs, yeah. no windows, and so yeah. I think the name fits the pub pretty well. So spot on, mate. Free to go. Uh, Rick's Cafe, I think, is Casablanca. Absolutely spot yeah. on. Um, I believe the main guy in it is called yeah. Rick, and so he owns the... We'll always place. have the disabled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack Rabbit Slims. I'm pretty sure is where they go in Pulp Fiction and do their little dance. Spot on, mate. Yeah, Pulp Fiction for Jack Rabbit Slims. So yeah. it leaves Bob's Country Bunker, and it leaves you with two movies, either The Blues Brothers or Baby Driver. That's got to be Blues Brothers, right? It's Blues Brothers. Yeah. Well done, mate. So the odd one out on that one was Baby Driver. Um, I stuck Baby Driver in deliberately because there is a cafe in it. Like, quite, he meets that girl in a cafe, and yeah. I thought that would be, you know, it, for a slight span of the works, it will test you. And it's um, Edgar Wright. Yeah, and it's Edgar Wright as well. But you didn't get fooled down. You smashed it, and Yay. you got top marks, mate. I know um, my pubs. Well done, mate. You know your pubs. Good man. So the next, exactly the same, mate. I'm going to read you five other pubs, and I'm going to read you six other films, and you just got to do exactly the same thing. So the first name um, of the pubs is the Green Man Inn. Hmm. Uh, the second one, quite similar, is the Green Dragon. Number three is the Park Hyatt Piano Bar. Hyatt. Hyatt. The Park Hyatt Piano Bar. Um, number four is the House of Blue Leaves, <laughs> which is such a great name for an establishment. Isn't yeah. it? It's just so cool. Um, and the fifth one is Bamboo Lounge, or the Bamboo Lounge, I guess. This rounds a bit harder. So... I'll read out the, um, the the films, and I think by process elimination, you know, you'll um, you'll, you'll get to the most of these. So, first uh, film uh, is Lost in Translation. Okay, yes. All fallen into place, I imagine. Lord of the Rings is the second film. Yeah. Fellowship, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the third film, Goodfellas. The fourth movie is Blade Runner. Film number five is Kill Bill. And the um, last film is The Wicker Man. <laughs> the original Wicker Man. So, um, off the bat then, any that you want to sort of put together straight away to eliminate or... Well, whichever fakey you've thrown in there is a clever one. <laughs> I think all of them are plausible. Yeah. Uh, now, Lost in Translation, I believe, is in Tokyo. Um, so it, there's a couple on there that might fit that. Mm. A few, maybe. Green Dragon, House of Blue Leaves, Bamboo Lounge, The Park High Hotel. <laughs> it could be a few of them. Are gonna be really of them. good. Um, I, I think Lord of the Rings is the Green Dragon. Boom. We're yeah. taking them out. So, yeah. well done, Dan. So, the Lord of the Rings goes with the Green Dragon. So, cool. you're left with four pubs and five films. Okay. Uh, okay. Goodfellas is annoying me because I know this. Is it the Bamboo Lounge? It is the Bamboo yeah. Lounge. Well done. Yeah. And I think with that one, you probably 
when you hark back, like you think of you think of it, you can see that yeah. bar they're all in with the bamboo sort of rancid. It's all very red and yeah. you know, it's all dark and yeah, spot on, mate. So you're down to three pubs and four films. It's the House of Blue Leaves Kill Bill. It's Kill Bill. Yeah. Well done, mate. The House of Blue Leaves, that's where they have that massive fight at the yeah. end of number one. So spot on. So you're left with the Green Man Inn and the Park Hyatt Piano Bar, and you've either got Lost in Translation, Blade Runner, or The Wicker Man. Mm. Is the Park Hyatt Piano Bar Piano Bar Lost in Translation? Yes, yeah. it is. So we can remove Lost in Translation and the Park Hyatt Bar. Um, I think the piano with that one is, is quite a good clue because, like, from what I remember, it's that sort of bar where you can just go, ding, 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 yeah. you know, in the, yeah. in the background and stuff. So the Green Man Inn. Do you think that is from Blade Runner or The Wicker Man? It makes sense to be Wicker Man, uh, but I don't remember that. I'm going to say The w- Wicker Man. It's the Wicker Man. It is. Well done. So the odd one out in that, even though there is a bar slash calf in this movie, quite prominently, but it didn't appear in my list, was Blade Runner. That was the odd one out. Bosh. Smashed it, mate. So you did amazing. So really well done. Really well Thank done. You, well, there we go. Done. Done nice it. One. Bosh. In the bag. Bosh. Um, so, mate, only one thing left to do. Let's chat about what film we're doing next week. And uh, before I tell you what we're going to watch, let's uh, have a think about where you would have gone. So where I would have gone, um, I, I had a little look through and I could have like kept, like you said, it would have been easy to keep with a British movie, um, which would have been great. But there's a movie I found uh, on streaming uh, that one of the actors um, appears in. And I thought, ah, oh, that'd be interesting. I'll tell you why. Um, basically, it's um, a superhero movie and we haven't tackled a superhero movie yet. And I don't remember him being in this film, actually, but I had a little look and Martin Freeman Black is Panther. in Black Panther. <laughs> and so I thought... You know what? If I was picking the movie, that's where I'd go. Just because um, it's, you know, it's a superhero film. I, I I liked when I saw it at the cinema. It's been a few years. I think the guy who played the the lead, that Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I mean, you know, tragic that he he died so early. And mm. so I'd love to watch that movie again and just like relive what a great performance it was, etc. So I would have gone with um with the Black Panther. But obviously, you could have picked about a billion films. So yeah. did you go with that? That would be a lovely choice, mate, but no, I did not. Um, Fair play. I'll tell you for why. Um, I thought it was only fitting that we've just uh, watched a film that is the completion of a British trilogy, and I thought it'd only be fitting if we finished with a British trilogy ourselves. Kid Outhood, followed by The World's End, followed by A Another. And that A Another is starring Michael Smiley, who is the... uh, the drug dealer slash reverend. <laughs> okay, I know. So that Michael Smiley is he the one who was mentioned in that quiz a minute ago? The the, the right, I see. So he's Michael Smiley. Yeah. He plays a drug dealer, and he's the connection this week. Then he, he is indeed. Nice. Yeah. Do you know him from any other films? No, off the top of my head, no. But that's not to say I'll go. Oh yeah, like you know, I, I might yeah. recognise him in something. He's been in a lot of things. He's he's been in very as a British actor. You would you'd recognise him. Uh, things like now. First of all, uh, we mentioned after the podcast that last week. You said, did you say that you think you there's a film that immediately came to your head? Yeah. I said there's a film that immediately came to my head, and we spoke about it in the car. We couldn't help it basically. But, well, the reason we couldn't help it. First of all, in the car, I looked up whether it was available on streaming platforms, and it wasn't. Therefore, we could talk about it. And I said to you, what was the film? And you said, "I said Dead Man's Shoes." Dead and Man's Shoes. It's because basically, I, I, like as soon as I knew Paddy Const, like we were doing a film with Paddy Constantine, 
I thought I would love to get to Dead Man's Tunes, which yep. is amazing. Dan said last week, oh my God, I know exactly where I want to go on the podcast. And I thought, I wonder if he's thinking the same as me. And like knowing Dan, yep. he was, because he's got great taste in films. And Dead Man's Shoes is an absolute banger. Yep. Like it's really, it's criminally under, under like, not it's not really known, you know, and that's a shame because it's brilliant. Anyway, because it's not streaming, we can do it. Yeah, well... For that very same reason, I chose this film. I think it's a criminally underrated film. Oh. I think, uh, and it's, I don't, I'm not sure whether you've seen it before, but I fucking love it. And it's from an actor, um, sorry, it's from a director that I mentioned earlier, Ben Wheatley. Um, uh, have you seen any Ben Wheatley films? Um, name a few and I'll be able to say, say it. what's his big, like... Shall I not name this one? Yeah, without naming this one. <laughs> right. Because uh, I'm not sure whether you've seen any of his films, but uh, recently Free Fire. Did you watch Free Fire? No. Sightseers, which I love. High Rise. Um, going back, he's done some Doctor Who episodes. Um, do, 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 let's go back. Down Terrace. No, these films um, I just haven't sort of appeared on my yeah. radar, really. I've got to say... You need to plug that gap. A field in England. You've seen that, haven't you? Field in England. Yeah. Oh, a field in England. Is this the one set in um, set in like uh, what are they called like Cavalier times? Reece Smith, Shear Smith. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and Julian Barrett. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think you would have seen this film if you haven't seen any of those. I don't think you're going to see it. It's a film called Kill List. Do you know what? Never even heard of it. Never heard of it. No. Oh. Which is I'm excited about it because if you're like you know saying this is really good. Um, I don't and wanna, I've never seen I it. don't want to tell you a thing. No. I'm just going to say it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and like, 10 out of 10. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm rating it now. Ten out, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but I've only seen it once, right. but it blew my fucking mind. Oh my and God. I can't wait to hear your reaction well, about it, Lex. Of all the films we've ever done, this is the film that I'm so giddy about hearing your reaction <laughs> to. Because there's excited. certain bits in it that I just want you to see. Now, slightly different. Um, it's not on Netflix. It's not on Prime. It's not on uh, Now TV. It's on all four. Oh, which Channel is... 4's streaming service. Which, yeah, so cool. If you're not in the UK, you'll have to find it somewhere else. Uh, but for UK listeners, it's on all four for absolutely free. No nice. no, uh, no payment required, so you can go and watch it there. Um, what I'm looking forward to is, I think this is probably the first film we've done where, and I don't want to know, but I literally don't even know what genre this is. I mean, from the title, it sounds like there's going to be some definite. It could be horror, it could be thriller, it could be, you know, a drama. But this is what I like. This is good because it's the first time I'm going to go in and I'm not going to know a thing. And let's keep it like that because you can't get fresher than that, you know. There's something I really want to say now, but yeah. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I just can't wait for you to see it. And I, oh, think, I, I think once you've seen this film, you're going to go off and watch a load of Ben Wheatley films. You're going to be hooked. He, uh, he is, not only this film, but he is criminally underrated. I know like film British film lovers know him and, and he's, he's making big waves and getting over to Hollywood and all that lot. But um, I, I don't think enough casual film fans know enough about Ben Wheatley. And... Um, our connection Michael Smiley is fucking magnetic in this it's also got um, Neil Maskell who's who needs to be in more um, once you've seen him you'll want to see him in more um, it's just it's just I just remember it being just so fucking amazing and shocking and 
Oh, I can't I'm wait! Excited. I can't wait to see it again. I'm excited, and um, funnily enough, on a podcast I listen to, I know you, you listen to it as well on the Evolution of Horror podcast. Yeah. Uh, the other day I was listening, actually just a couple of days ago, and there was a there was a special effects guy talking, and he mentioned that he works on the, the a lot of Ben Wheatley films, and um, he, he he read out a, lo- a list that he did. You know, I worked on this, I worked on that, and the guy was like, "Oh, that's so cool that he worked on all these." So it's all going to sort of come together for me. I'm going to watch this, and you know, it's going to be a new avenue opened up. So I'm buzzing, mate. Great choice. Um, I'm excited to go there and what I love is that it's a film you obviously are passionate about and I know nothing about so we're going to get a good a good um, angle on it next week you know from both of us so that's cool it's on part and you know how much we were raving about Dead Man's Shoes in the car last week yeah it's on I think it may be better than Dead Man's Shoe, but it's, wow. on, it's at least on par wow that's how like affecting it is yeah. and quotable and yeah. just it's one of those films you just need to talk about as soon as you've seen it right um, awesome. I'll be tempted like we were talking earlier like actually it's been uh, this episode will be released just before it's a year to the day that we release our first episode mm. which is the end of July um, so maybe we'll watch it together or something but um, yeah that'd be anyway, cool we'll that'd sort be some, nice we'll sort yeah. something out um, but it's one of those films where Oh man, it's good to watch. Oh god, god. I'm excited. I just want to talk You're to you. You're buzzing to watch it. Yeah, yeah, mate. Can't You're wait. buzzing. Well, yeah. it's a great choice, mate. And yeah, I look forward next week to getting into that. It'd be awesome. Great. Well, that's the end of the episode, mate. Um, Boom! Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. It's good. I feel like some of the films we had like recently. I mean, it's no one's fault, but you know, we watched them. We maybe didn't enjoy them as much as we did when we were younger, or they didn't quite land, or they just there were strange movies. Like I just thought of the last few we had: Kid Outhood phone booth um those who wish me dead and for different reasons like you know whether it was you or me we didn't love it wasn't a great run was it not really even before that color of money mm. i'm not saying it's a bad movie you know what i mean we're, we're, we're trying to eke out interesting picks and trying to pick things that we haven't seen or that we wouldn't usually go to so it's going to happen but i just felt like we're on a run of like not the best movies you know mm. i wouldn't be rushing to see any of them again yeah. but today save the day I think so loved it I would watch today's yeah. film I would go in tonight and watch it again I yeah. fucking loved it it was brilliant and I really really hope you think the same next week mate interesting we'll see I we'll, really because we'll I know this is for me it's definitely going to be two films on the bounce that I know I like yeah um, awesome. so yeah interesting to see where you go from there and it's our third British film we've gone from none to three are you happy now we've oh, ticked that off your list yeah big time I am happy what made me laugh a few weeks ago is that we did when, when I was smashed and we were doing the podcast we did what we'd like what films we'd like to come up with I mentioned British films then you picked a British film and said no you said look I've done one of the things you wanted yeah. what is it and I couldn't remember because I was so pissed <laughs> yeah. when I said it <laughs> but no I, I'm very happy because like I say I mean as we know like there's some real big talent in Britain and there's some great actors great directors great stories being done and so it's cool that we've got to do some now and um, who knows you might even get fourth you know off the back of your one so yeah we'll see we'll see what happens mate lovely well mate it's been great discussing and watching a film we both enjoyed yeah let's hope we do the same next week um, we are going to have a bonus episode out uh, in the next week or so where we're talking about what is it George um, so we're going to be talking because the weather's been so nice and it's been so hot and we've been dripping in sweat every day we're going to be talking about the five movies that uh, makes us make us think of the summer um, so very fitting with the type of weather we're getting what are our, you know, not sort of top five, but just what are our most summary movies? You know, that's what we're going to go for. Lovely. It's talking about films that re- remind us of summer. Simple. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, keep your ear out for that. It will be uh, uh, appearing on your feeds very soon. And have a think about what would appear on your list and then send us abusive messages as to why we are wrong. 
How would people get in contact with us, George, if they wanted to? Well, they can do it the usual way. So we've got an email address, which is infinitefilmclub at gmail.com. We've also got an amazing website, um, which is uh, infinitefilmclub.com. You can find it on Google and stuff, which is awesome. See all our episodes. And then now we've got an Instagram as well. Um, so on the Instagram, again, you know, you can message us. Um, me and Dan, you know, we're only at the end of an Instagram message or, you know, a comment on something that we post. And we'll be keeping the, the, the feed up, like, you know, pretty regularly basically with you know things that are coming out and things that we've seen and just keep so if you want to mention anything just literally just drop us a line on there you know anytime and we'll happily you know discuss whatever you think because that's what it's all about lovely stuff okay well other than that other than our bonus episode that's coming out soon we will speak to you when we talk about kill list in a week or so's time boom buzzing for it mate lovely stuff speak to you there mate cheers dan see you mate bye, bye.